0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro recharge kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. White Sox! White Sox.
1: went to the bridge. Juan Abreu is swinging a high fly deep right field. At the wall. It's gone for a two run over. Here's your tags and that's a triple play. Oh my. That is one we were going to talk
2: about for years to come. Now, a special edition of White Sox Weekly. Scheduled to appear on
3: this afternoon's broadcast. Harold Baines, Dan Jennings, as well as Ed Farmer and Darren Jackson. Second for two on the first. Triple play. How about that one?
2: Live from the Hilton, Chicago. It's special coverage of Sox Fest 2017. Look alive. Chicago, and the proud home of everything White Sox, WLS AM 890. Now, here's your host, Connor McKnight. And to a very special edition of White Sox Weekly, I'm Connor McKnight. We are at SoxFest 2017. Thanks for hopping in. Thanks for joining us. And a big thanks to David Hochberg and the crew for leading off this extravaganza. We've got a packed lineup all throughout the afternoon as we have uh, passed into those hours. We'll be here today and tomorrow. and We'll be joined, of course, by White Sox players and coaches, former players, greats, all that kind of good stuff. We'll also be joined by uh, the entire station lineup uh, throughout the two days. Bob Surratt and Marianne Marciano are here right now. We'll have uh, Brendan Greeley of the Steve Dahl Show swinging by. And uh, either Big John or Ray or maybe both. It's entirely possible if the flu bug hasn't taken out uh, the both of them. Uh, we'll have them around, too. But to lead things off and to get things going, I guess we could move down the seats a couple here. We've got uh, White Sox great Harold Baines with us as well as Bob Surratt and Marianne Marciano hanging out with us, too. Uh, Harold, nice to have you. Good to see you. Uh, how is SoxS 2017 for you? Have you started the weekend in full, or you have a lot more to go uh, throughout the rest of the day?
4: Any other questions?
2: Hmm? Any other questions? <laughs> Any other questions?
4: <laughs> no, everything's great. We got started uh, actually Thursday. We had a big dinner with the sponsors. Nice. So it's going
2: well. And you, uh, your role's changing a little bit here over the next, uh, over the last year into this year, kind of changing some, a little less travel, but a little bit of work with the team too. So, uh, as as you change, kind of the the squad changes some too. A lot of changes for the White Sox in the last month and a half.
4: Maybe that was the reason. I don't know.
2: I don't think. I don't <laughs> think you were the reason.
4: <laughs> no, it was time to make to make a change. It, for my body and for my family you know, i have uh, fortunate enough to have four kids and they all decided to get married in two years so i've been been busy,
2: busy with that so you've had four weddings in two years yes
5: four weddings in two years yes
2: three girls and a boy
5: are you paying for the boy's wedding too yes I that did. is not fair no. is it aren't you supposed I to agree, just pay for my, the girl's wedding when
4: your wife runs everything <laughs> Choices all are all right. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense.
5: Harold, uh, nice to meet you. Thank I'm Marianne. You. Bob. Yeah, i met Bob. Yeah, Bob. Bob thinks you should be in the Hall of Fame.
4: I appreciate that, but I can't really. I also know.
3: think I also think that uh, Harold and I have a lot in common because you know I've been known to. Uh, work at the various TV and radio stations, and then leave, and then come back to the same station again and again and again. Uh, this only, is my three only three uh, yeah, times. Only yeah. Well, you were at the Sox three times. Right. Uh, I well, I've only been at WLS two different times, but I was at NBC five three different times. So
4: well, I actually did it with two teams. That's right. The
3: Baltimore Orioles and the White Sox. And each time you come back, does it seem like a entirely different new organization?
4: Not really. I mean, I always felt the White Sox was a family. You know, I, I got drafted in 1977, and they they treated me like a son more than just a player. Jerry's a very special individual, and I'm from Baltimore. So I, it was like going home after 14 years to play and sleep in my own bed.
5: Did you, did you get to spend some good quality time with Minnie Minoso? I did. Yeah?
4: It was like a second father.
5: Yeah? Tell me uh, about that.
4: A very special man. I mean, I couldn't understand him.
5: (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I I couldn't understand him in English or Spanish.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know a little bit of poquito Spanish, but he was a great man. He treated me as one of his sons. You know, I played with Orestes, one of his sons in the minor leagues. But Manny was a very very special man
5: to me. The last time Bob and I got a chance to to speak with him, and he he had made – several radio appearances and tv appearances with us over the years but um i was really impressed because it was i think it was probably the last year of his life and um this man was still doing a hundred sit-ups a day every single day e- even until the end he was doing how sit-ups. old was
4: he nobody knew how old he was
5: he claimed to be at that time what an 89 or something is that like saying 39 well, he we had a kid now.
3: at 60-something, right? Oh, so, Connor, you can do like 200 so, push-ups. Yeah, he, give it up. Takes,
5: so, yes, so he, he, would, do, them,
3: right?
6: so he <laughs> exactly. would do
5: these sit-ups, and then he said he said uh, it was it was his routine before taking a shower. Really? So uh, sometimes, if he had to take a shower twice a day, which he often did, he would do it twice a day.
4: Right? Well, uh, <laughs> something that could be false because. If the White Sox won a game, he didn't change his clothes. He, that's, how, that's how superstitious he was. Really? <laughs> really. What, what were his other superstitions? That was his biggest one. I mean, that, you want the White Sox to win. So you know, if we won 10 in a row, you saw the same outfit every day when he came to the clubhouse. What are your superstitions? I don't really have any. I just try to stay healthy enough to get on the field. That's very hard to do. If, if he's not changing his
2: clothes, it's some. You know, I
6: know everybody wants to win bar games. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's what I had to ask. Because at some point, you know, those those planes are small. The bus. No, this are there, is and... this is in Chicago. Okay, you know. all right. He didn't travel. With us. Okay, okay. I thought I thought we were talking about back in his you know playing days and stuff when he weren't. No, like, no, this is when he was uh, ambassador for Fox. Really? Yeah. That's it, you know it takes a special level of superstition to be superstitious when you're not playing. <laughs> No, no, that's how much he loved the White Sox. That's impressive. Yeah. That is impressive. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, speaking of the Hall of Fame, uh, a guy that's who good. either you, you know, were alongside, next to, or or playing contemporary with Tim Raines, who just got into the Hall of Fame. Uh, very well deserved. Uh, very well deserved. And yeah. I, and I thought what was interesting about his. You know, his time with the White Sox, his time in Montreal, you, you spent some years in Montreal and then came over to the White Sox. Oh. And looking at – oh, no, sorry, uh, Tim Raines. Tim Raines. Yeah, I, I, I think I said you. I meant Tim. Uh, we all look alike, <laughs> I not <understand. laughs> Come on now. Uh, <laughs> wow, I'm never going to get over that one. That hurts a little. Uh, Tim, I mean, Tim's career, especially with the White Sox and, and doing what he did at the top of the order was, was unparalleled. And I wonder if you think, playing at the, around the same time, if you think that – being a contemporary with Ricky Henderson maybe hurt him on the ballot some over the over his 10 years on the ballot.
4: It shouldn't have. I mean, he's, he got in the Hall of Fame on his last time. Yeah, that, his final year. His numbers didn't change. No. So been, if you're good enough on the 15th time, he should have been good enough on the first
2: time for me. Do you think that should change in our Hall of Fame voting and the, the way we put guys in?
4: Um, yes, yes. But it, it's very hard to get in there. I mean, any – if you need 73% to get in anything, it's hard to get in. Right. So, you know, but I, I don't really know all the ends, that what goes along with that. So it's kind of hard to really to comment on it.
2: Well, like any voting, like there's there's politics involved, and there's you know sports writers who are going to get their baseball writers who have their opinions on on guys and players and personalities and whatnot. But I'm, I'm with Harold. I mean, if you're if you're on the ballot for ten years, your stats don't change. It, it seems like if you're good enough the one time, you ought to be good enough. You know, each and every time around or, or the first time around.
4: Well, I, I assume that the guys that the writers are want to vote for a certain guy that particular year, so that might knock the other guy backwards right. a little bit. So that's that's the tough part of it.
2: Yeah. Uh,
5: what were your favorite things to do when you were not playing?
4: Um in the wintertime or in the, like in the
5: wintertime, yeah. When you were like when, when it was off season. Like what would well, you, you like you know, to as,
4: do? If you have a family, you got to get to know your family again.
5: Exactly. So that was
4: number one. But I was an avid golfer, so I, I play a lot of golf. But my, my one priority was to get to know my kids again.
5: Did they live um, in the same city as you did? But once um, they
4: started school age, we um, had to set roots somewhere. And I'm from Maryland, so we the kids stayed in Maryland. They came out once school was out. But once school started, we kept them. In a safe environment. And what
5: was that like? I, I always wonder about this with with uh, baseball players because it's such a long season. Mm-hmm. Um, what What was it like having to be away for so long? I mean, there was a time when Bob considered working in the business.
3: Well,
6: I had <laughs> and an we offer. We were dating. He had, I, an, I offer. had an offer. We an offer, were dating,
5: and I was saying. I wisely
3: said no. <laughs> you
5: cannot be gone that long. You know, I mean, but of course, well, it, the offer was not to play baseball. No, by the
4: way. no, no. <laughs> well, it is baseball, but it's a job first. Right. So you got to take care of your family. And fortunately I had a wife that understood that.
5: So was it I mean did you get to go and you know stop in sometimes during the season or every, was it like you're gone from beginning to every, end?
4: Every every off day in Chicago I was back in Maryland.
5: Oh wow, you probably accrued a lot of uh, flying miles.
4: Oh well, not back then. I think before. They didn't miles. have frequent flyer <laughs> plans. <laughs> <laughs> not back then. nice ring. Harold took me 25 years to get this ring.
5: Do you wear that ring? I was looking at it. I was admiring it. Uh, do you wear that all the time? No, no. No.
4: Not not going to the gym.
5: Right, right. Well, it would get in the way of Only like, during uh, the baseball gym season. gloves.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> Only during the baseball
3: season. Uh, that ring, uh, of describe the ring. It is the, tell uh, us about the ring. It's the 05 championship ring. It's got the big,
2: is that a, I forget what the, uh, the black stone in the middle is. that an opal? Is that you know what that is in the, the middle? That's Marianne's that?
4: department. No, no, it's jewelry is her department. Uh, actually, his, his wife designed this. Jerry Rainsworth, wife designs That's
2: right. This, that's right. This ring. That's why most most rings are square, and this is oval. And it's got the it's got the two bands of diamonds, kind of subset, you know, behind it. Oh, and you've got your you've got the baines on it on the side. Does everybody have it personalized? Yes. It, but not you know, That's awesome. And Harold,
3: do you ever think, man, if I was single and had a ring like this, uh, I would be <laughs> waving it around at all the singles bars, and it would be tremendous.
4: No, I'm kind of a loner, so I didn't really go to <laughs> go to
3: bars. <laughs>
5: and I don't drink so And your children are now what ages?
4: They range from 32 to 26.
5: Oh wow. That's real close. So they were in college at the same time. They were in high school at the same time, right?
4: Three in college. At, three in college at the same time. Yeah. yeah.
5: <laughs> That's so. fun. <laughs> uh,
4: not on a pocketbook. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. That's
5: what I mean. I was being sarcastic. But, it, but I've
4: been blessed with four beautiful kids, so it was,
2: it was all worth it.
5: Where do they live? Do they live in Maryland? Still? They all
2: live within an hour of our, our house.
5: Of your so. house in, Mar- in Maryland? In Maryland, yes. yeah. That's a nice area.
2: Four Weddings in Two Years. I'm still getting over that.
4: That sounds insane. like
5: the name of a movie, Connor. Yeah, right. Four <laughs> Weddings in Two Years. That's a
2: romantic comedy
4: starring yeah. <laughs> Harold Baines
3: and his four kids. That's
5: exactly, exactly how that works.
4: Well, I've been told I'm not that romantic, so couldn't I couldn't, be, I couldn't <laughs> star in <an> a <end> movie.
3: <laughs> Harold, did you ever think that uh, when you got done playing uh, that you would get into broadcasting? How much did you think about life after baseball when you were playing, and, and what did you have in mind for yourself? I actually thought I would play 10 years and retire. <laughs> really? But I actually played 22.
2: Yeah, 79 to 02. That's
5: uh, what um, went into the 10 years thinking?
4: No. I, was, I was young and dumb, didn't figure. <laughs> but then the kids came along, and the expensive came along. So then I said, you know, I only know one thing baseball. I didn't really go, I came out of high school. I didn't really have anything to fall back on education wise because I didn't go to college. So I figured I had to play. I would play until the phone stopped ringing. So the phone started ringing at the age 43.
3: So, wow, an incredible career. And did That's, you think uh, one day I want to manage one day? I want to coach not manage. I mean, unless you get a ring, it's not really it's too much
4: stress. And you know, a lot of people don't see what a manager goes to. It's not just your X's and O's like a football, but you got to you got to manage 25 kids, 25 different personalities.
3: And then, and then with all the people interviewing you over the years, did you look at guys like Connor and say, I could do that. I could do that. I didn't get a a lot of interviews because my
4: answers were yes, no, evidently. <laughs> you you know. were one of those yes. guys. I, was, I wasn't a Ryan Kittle. You I were
5: not media trained. N- n- <laughs> no,
2: trained. No, I was trained. To trained to keep away from me. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah,
2: Harold, those are answers with a purpose if you're a ball player. You, you right. start to learn that if you give certain answers, then maybe you don't get asked those questions anymore. I mean, they're, they're it's on, a little easier. They're honest answers. There you go.
5: You know, hey Connor, is that what you uh, like? You you stay away from. We start guys? to yeah no, it's a like learning Harold, process. Right? Yeah no,
2: it's, it's a learn. We know you know you go down to that clubhouse and you kind of make that eye contact and you go okay, we're we're good, we're, we're good for the day. I understand what we're up to. Here.
3: Now I always think you know if I were a major league baseball player, first of all, if that happened, there would be something wrong with major league baseball. But if I were a major league baseball player, uh, a couple of things would happen to me. First of all. I would be jumping in the stands every now and then because uh, there would be somebody there who obviously is not uh, in shape to play any sport yelling at me, and I would, I would be bothered by that. And I would also uh, be reading the newspapers and watching everything uh, where my name was mentioned, and I would probably uh, contact the people who wrote anything or said anything bad about me, and I would do that uh, constantly. You probably wouldn't last long. <laughs>
4: <laughs> would, you, I, do you develop, would
5: you be worried about crowd size too, Bob? Would you be no? Concerned I with do, that? <laughs> would you?
3: Do you develop a, a thick skin in the minor leagues and and, and it doesn't really ever affect most of most of you, most of the guys?
4: No, some guys are you know just, you're dealing with personalities. My personality it can roll off my back, so you know, some guys couldn't take it.
3: But you hear you
4: hear things yeah. at
3: the park, right? You hear the fans. Don't you?
4: You hear him, yeah. yeah. Well, mostly it was Harold. Harold. Not,
3: <laughs> not too many
4: boos. Sh- yeah, in
2: your case, that's that's true. Play well enough, and it gets over for you. Yeah. Harold, thanks so much for stopping You're by. Very really welcome. appreciate you hanging out. We got uh, a packed list of guests. I'm Connor McKnight, Bob Surratt, Marianne Marciano here with us. We'll take a quick break here at Soxfest 2017. You got White Sox Weekly on WLS AMA 90. Welcome. Welcome back try it this time. Welcome back to... It's on. Wait, on. Welcome back to SoxFest, White SoxFest, SoxFest 2017. Sorry, we're having microphone issues up here, and by we, I mean me, and I can't find the on-off button. Uh, Marianne Murciano and Bob Surratt with us here at SoxFest, a special edition here on White Sox Weekly, WLS AM 890. Just got done hanging out with Harold Baines, uh, who rightfully in- insulted me for <laughs> uh, mistaking the careers of Tim Raines and Harold Baines and looking at the wrong stat page. and uh, But Harold set me straight, as he often does and has with uh, White Sox players for quite some time and in his own career, too. You guys are uh, – thanks for coming by and yeah, hanging out and everything. Yeah, fun
5: to be here. And I was just talking to Harold, uh, you know, off mic uh, during the commercial break. And, you know, we were talking about Cuba, and mm-hmm. he has been there. You know, he went back, you know, at one point in 1999, and it was really – um, super fun to talk to him about that. What a nice guy. What a nice guy. Oh, yeah.
2: No, he's, he's yeah. one of the good ones, and uh, we to, We get to talk to him every SoxFest, and it's awesome that he stops by and comes through for White Sox fans. I know he's a, he's a fan favorite. I wanted to ask you guys about, speaking of Cuba, I, w- I was going to ask you about it. I saw yesterday during the media session that we all kind of get to hang out with players and say hello and reacquaint ourselves. Uh, I, I saw... One of the young ones, one of the new ones, Yoan Mancata and Jose Abreu, hanging out with the both of you, and I wondered what, come on, what? how did you guys wrangle that? Well, they didn't we, care we,
3: about me.
5: <laughs> no, no, I know. <laughs> well, we took them behind the curtain, and thank you, Connor, for having everything to do with making that happen um, uh, be, because we really appreciated it. Because, um, I, I don't know, my feeling is that you know, when we first started talking to them, they were kind of like a little gun-shy at yeah. first. Did, sure. Do you
2: notice that, too? Sure. And, and I think, you know, I was talking with uh, Ricky Renteria, the new manager of the White Sox, who is himself, you know, bilingual and a first-generation American. And I, we, we were talking kind of off-mic about how I, I just couldn't – I can't imagine how difficult it is to be yourself in a setting in a second language, in a language that you don't quite comprehend quite yeah. yet.
5: Well, you know, and part of the interview, which I think is – did we find out that it's posted already? Um, it, it I think it, on the WLSAM oh, cool. uh, site, I think. But anyway, you'll see part of the interview, um, it, at one point I said to Jose, because Bob was asking me questions to ask them, and I was thinking of questions that I wanted to mm-hmm. ask them as well. And um, every time that I looked at Jose Abreu's face, he looked like he understood everything that was being said in English. But then I asked him, and he said, he said, No, 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 ask me, translate Mm -hmm. in Spanish. You might feel a little bit insecure about that.
2: I think some of those guys are, like Jose Quintana yesterday had his conversation. And, of course, Jose's, uh, you know, his name's out there on the trade block. It's possible that he could be moved. A lot of White Sox fans have asked those questions throughout SoxFest. And Jose's a really, Jose Quintana, I should say, uh, not that Jose Abreu isn't, but a stand-up guy and wants to be there. and, And you can tell that he understands generally what's going on. But I think a lot of those guys want to have that interpreter there. Billy Russell does a great job with the White Sox of, of helping these guys out and making that transition just to make sure that nothing's missed.
5: Right, because there's so many subtleties, yes. nuances, and, uh, and, and and you know that, I mean, they obviously have to be understanding stuff because right. English is the spoken language. but. Yeah, I, I mean, to, to be a young guy, those guys are, I think they're 21 and 29 years old. Yeah, Jose's uh, 29. And, 29. Yeah, Yohan just Yolan, turned 21. Just turned 21. Yeah, they're asking, kids.
3: Mm-hmm. I was asking Jose uh, Abreu, and, of course, um, I would ask a question, and then Marianne would translate, and then I would ask Marianne, what did what did he say? But I did understand a couple of things without the translation, because at one point I think I said uh, uh, to Abreu, I and uh, I said, who's going to – uh, who's gonna watch this guy? Who's gonna be in charge of this guy? You know, uh, and and he what did he, he say? Mary? He got a,
5: he got a big kick out of it. He he said uh, I'll be his guardian. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I'll be his guardian. But you know, he said it with a little you know uh, uh, a little uh, I don't know wink wink sure. like you know like who's gonna be able to. You know, be his guardian. I don't know. <laughs> well,
2: I, I think too for for Yohan Moncada, and, and it's possible that he starts out the season in Triple A. He'll be up with the White Sox, I think, in short order. But for for him being even younger than Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu is the legend is probably stating it too far. But in the baseball community in Cuba, which is a, a hot one as it is, like he is so well respected in that in his own town, in that on that island, in the baseball community, just the kind of guy he is and and i've i've heard joan in, in spanish kind of talk about how I, in in reverence almost of jose well, Abreu, he standing. considers
5: him an older brother i what i said to him was he's more like your father isn't <laughs> <and> he <laughs> and he says no but an older brother because they played together in Fuegos yes. in cuba um, and he said from from day one all he wanted was to be like jose that's all he wants. And
3: we spent about a half hour with them, and uh, like an idiot, I then uh, say to our program director, "Well, this will be great. We'll we have the video uh, for social media, and then we'll take the audio and we'll play it on our 10 a.m. to noon weekday show. Mm-hmm. And then I'm reminded, well, most of it was in Spanish, so I guess uh, I guess that's <laughs> not going to fill time during the week for we, us.
5: We could have somebody edit the English parts because I did try, and it'll just be me talking to you. <laughs> doing, doing
2: different voices for Jose. Yeah, for, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. That'll translate perfectly here. They
5: were so cute, though. I was so impressed, and I would encourage anybody. I mean, like, I am dying to see these these guys now on the field. Yeah. I mean, now that I got to know them, and also, by the way, and uh, Connor, I'm hoping that through your magic you can make this happen, but I asked them, you know that I have a food. We we have a food website, susosfork.com, oh, S-U-S-O-S. F-O-R-K.com. And that's also the name of our YouTube channel. So uh, we're, we're posting all these videos, and we will be posting the video also uh, of uh, our in- conversation with them. But I asked them if they know how to cook. and um,
2: Usually baseball players don't know how to cook.
5: Okay, thank you. I, I, I should have talked to you uh, first well, because they both sometimes. jumped at it and said, because c- wait, didn't Sammy Sosa know how to cook? I think that Sammy Sosa knew how to cook. Yeah. He knew how
3: to, uh, uh, no, cork. He knew how to cork. <laughs> there <it is. laughs>
5: Okay, so they both jumped at the answer to this question immediately, like, no, we don't know how to cook, but we, but, and, and Jose said, I would like to learn. And then I thought, oh my God, I would like to teach you. And then, um, Yeah, they were all for that. Yeah, and then Yuan said, uh, he said, I can make a little egg. <laughs>
2: Big eggs he can't make. Just Big eggs he
5: can't make, but he says, un huevito.
2: <laughs> 312 591-8900. We'll have some room for phone calls here on White Sox Weekly throughout uh, the afternoon, but we've got the 1230 news coming up. Bob Surratt and Marianne Murciano hanging out with us here at SoxFest. After the 1230 news, Tyler Danish, a nice guy and a great story coming up to uh, to hang with us here at SoxFest 2017. I'm Connor McKnight. You have WLS AMA 90. Here at SoxFest, I'm Connor McKnight, and with me, Bob Surratt, Marion Murciano, and also, Tyler Danish is hanging out with us here for a little while. Hi, Tyler. How are you, man?
7: Great. How are you?
2: Doing wonderful. Doing fantastic. Uh, well, uh, meet Bob Surratt. He does our midday show here on uh, WLS.
7: I, I've been reading
3: up on you, young man, and is this right? When you were in high school... And you you went to high school in was it Plant City? Plant City, yes, sir. Where's that, Marianne? You're the you're the Floridian expert here. Do you know Plant City?
5: It's Mar- in Florida.
3: Marianne, Marianne grew up in Coral
7: <laughs> Gables. Okay, uh, Plant City's where the Cincinnati Reds used to be back in uh, I think like the 70s or 80s. So. Small town, Lakeland. The Tigers spring trains probably ten minutes from where right. I went to school. So near so.
5: Lakeland, Florida. The home. Near Lakeland,
7: probably ten minutes outside of Lakeland. So, so you
5: so you shop at public supermarket. I shop at public supermarket. <laughs> supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> so Marian <very>, okay. back <laughs>
3: groceries there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so in high school, at one point, you had a streak of ninety-four innings without allowing an earned run, right? That's right. My senior year didn't give up one earned run.
5: Okay, I want to ask now, you wait, about oh, high
3: school. Hold, Is that good? Wait, <laughs> hold on a second. I need, to, I need to drill down on this. Now, are you one of those guys that just threw so hard uh, the,
7: the kids couldn't even see the ball when they came up there? Uh, no. I mean, the district I played in um, that year, we had four first-rounders come out of that district, So, and they're all hitters. Um, but, no, I think the movement for me was my thing. Um, you know, that's my bread and butter to this day, and I think that's what it was in high school. What do you mean by that? Like um, I just throw everything. All my fastballs, no four seamers, all sinkers. So just balls that just run in on people, run away from people, just, just disappear. Yeah,
5: that they just dis- disappear. Okay, so let me ask you about high school and playing in high school because we have a daughter who plays basketball in high school and tennis in high school, and it's. I mean, I know that the major leagues, the minor leagues, you know, that's that's pretty competitive, <laughs> but in high school it is pretty competitive too, isn't it? A crazy scenario in high school to be playing, uh, you know, against – there's so many kids who are good.
7: Right. That That's what I loved about it, though, because every night you face someone that was, you know, you were going to play in the future as well, either in college or maybe in professional baseball. And, you know, every night you go out, and especially in the state of Florida, you know, being a big baseball – they call it a baseball, you know, place where everyone comes out of. And, you know, that was, you know, the most fun time I think I've ever had on the baseball field was was in my senior year of high school. Did
5: you know, and, and did you know then, like at what point – D- does a kid in high school know this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life?
7: Um, I think I for, it really hit me um, the first professional team I've ever ever talked to was the Chicago White Sox. Um, it was going into my senior year in the summer we played a tournament at a college um, and the scout who drafted me I met with him for the first time then and that's when it really hit me you know I, I, you know I got a chance to you know, go professional because you know as a kid you don't you dream about it but right. it's you, you know it's obviously a hard reality to, to get to. Um, so I was just hoping to go to college, and then you know that's when my senior, year going to senior, year, I, you know I figured I, I had a chance.
5: And how did that make you feel? I mean that must have been, I can't even imagine being a kid who dreams about this, and then all of a sudden a scout finds you, and then you see this real opportunity. What what did you think then? As um, a you were probably 17 years old, 17 right? 17
7: years old. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a blessing, but it also was the most amazing time of my life because. It just felt like everything that I've, you know, dreamed about, i worked for, finally was starting to come together slowly. Obviously, it wasn't, you know, the big dream I had was get to the big leagues, which I got to do that, but I also want to stick. Um, but then was, you know, I had three tiers, get to the big leagues, get drafted, and then stay forever. So that was the first one, I guess, in my book that I got to check off, and it was just an amazing time. Was the conversation with, uh, with your family, people around you, about
2: either going to college or coming out and choosing the draft? I mean, you got drafted in the second round. So I w- I would imagine because you went that high uh, was was the conversation tough to either choose school or, or choose the draft?
7: Yeah, um you know me and my mom sat down there was a lot of talks also with my agent I and mean, you know the big thing is we had a number that we believed um we called it life-changing money um yeah. that I couldn't I couldn't uh pass up. So, you know, I got I, luckily I got that number and you know took the went took uh my professional.
6: Do,
5: do you do you know I mean, is it the case that there are a lot of kids who don't don't have a strategy like you obviously did, and then they, they take anything? I mean, d- did you find that some of the people you knew did that and didn't think it through like you um, did? Or did? You know, everyone's,
7: everyone's in a different way. I mean, everyone's got different numbers that they want to different amounts of money that they believe they can't pass up. Or, you know, some kids don't like school. I was one of those kids. I'm, not, I'm perfectly honest with you. I did not like school. Um, so that was another reason for me. You know, I couldn't, I didn't want to go to school, but if I had to, I would have loved to. Because the University of Florida was going to be a great school. And oh,
6: yeah. I it's was, never I too was late. Excited.
7: Right. I am going to get a degree. I do, <laughs> yeah. I do want to go back and, and get that uh, taken care of eventually. Don't know when, but I do want to get taken care of. Well, you got you got work to do coming up in spring. Obviously, this season
2: with the White Sox, there has been some turnover on that roster. I would imagine for a guy like yourself, who, like you said, made your major league debut last year, and congratulations on it. Appreciate it. I know that's a huge thing to check off for a lot of guys after you get drafted. Um, there's competition coming up here when you hit Glendale, and I wonder if if this year is a little different for you than years prior because, you know, they're, they're jobs to go get.
7: Right. Um that's, that's the exciting part. I know everyone, you know, all the young guys that are going to camp are excited because everyone has a good opportunity to, you know, make that team. or, or not If you don't make it, at least show every, all the coaches what you have. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be exciting. I know everyone's excited. I know, I know a lot of the fans are excited. So, you know, I'm sure everyone's ready to get this going, and I know for sure I am. Have you had a chance to sit down with, uh, or, or hear from, or talk with Rick Renteria, Ricky Renteria? I yet? have. I have a Can little you. bit here and there. I know that man's on the run all the time right now. He is. Now.
2: So, uh, well, and, and even when he talks to you, he's on. I mean, he's moving somewhere. He's got always. a purpose to what he's talking to you about. It's he's intense.
7: He is. But I love the energy he brings. You know, that's that's um, you know, a great sign. You know, for us, you know, young kids with a lot of, with the manager with some energy is going to be a lot of fun.
2: I uh, wanted to ask you, too, about uh, uh, working with Don Cooper. I mean, you get up to the bigs, and you get to have that conversation. I'm sure Coop works with you at some points during spring, and, and you get that kind of talk from the pitching staff throughout the minors. But knowing that that, that guy knows what he knows uh, about pitchers, I mean, you've seen his work. You right.
7: know what those guys go on to do. I, was that just a, a an eyes-open moment? Yeah. I mean, you try and take in – Everything he says to you, no matter what it is, you try and take it in. Because he's been around, you know, so 100 long. A hundred years, right. 150 years, something like that, yeah. And so he just has so much knowledge that, you know, you can take and um, just run with and, and learn from.
3: I want to know when Tyler Danish uh, got the word that he was uh, going to the uh, big leagues, I want to know what your reaction was. And then I want to ask you about how it was when you got in your first game. Because I know I'm thinking that certainly when you uh, when you first come to the uh, major league team, uh, it's very intimidating. Was it for you?
7: It was it wasn't intimidating in the locker room because, you know, I went to camp with the team for two years before, prior to last year. So, you know, I knew the guys a little bit, and they were very welcoming. Um, when I got the call I was actually watching a Netflix show. We had a day game that day. So I was about to go to sleep, which is crazy, because I think the week before someone was asleep when they got the call up.
5: Wait, were you watching Prison Break? How did you know that? (laughs) Because I was going to ask you, uh, uh, because I've been doing a little research on you, and I was going to ask you uh, about that, because I I was wondering if you've ever seen Bob's appearance on on Prison Break.
3: (laughs) You were on Prison Break? I was a reporter,
5: but if you blinked,
3: you missed me. I might have to go rewatch that thing. But,
5: but yeah, 3
7: episode 7 Bob Sarad in the left hand corner.
3: So you're you're watching you're watching
7: TV and Prison then you Break. get the call? I do. I do. It was probably 11:30 at night and manager calls me and says, "Hey, what are you doing?" I said, "You know, just watching Netflix." She said, "What are you watching?" I said, "Prison Break." <laughs> There's a guy on here who he should win an Academy
3: Award or an Emmy or something. Uh, his portrayal of a TV news anchor is fantastic. Yeah,
5: right. He and so right.
7: his next comment is, well, you're going to remember this episode for the rest of your life because you're going to Chicago tomorrow. And that was, I didn't know what to say to him. I said, are you serious? And he said, yes. So I called my mom, and you know, thinking my mom's going to go crazy. And she just says, "Oh, that's cool. Um, I'll look for some <laughs> flights." And I'm like, "I'm
5: shaking. I'm
7: nervous as can be," and she's calm as can be. And I'm just like, "Wow." You do know? you have siblings? No, only child.
5: So your mom was gonna move to wherever she was gonna find a she place. She was.
7: Get, she got there. She got there the next day. She flew in and she stayed for the whole week. So it was. I'm glad that and, she and got to I mean, You get to the mound for the first time,
3: and you're in that game, and you're walking out there. Uh, what goes through your mind at that point? How do you How do you calm down?
7: Um. I tried, but didn't really work. Um, <laughs> I just remember I got on there, and once it started, I just blacked out. To be perfectly honest with you, I, I remember a little of it, but not a lot. I was just, you know, so nervous, and it was amazing time and amazing atmosphere because we had the Royals in town. We, I think we had a sellout that day as well, so it was just, you know, all a
2: perfect setting. Well, you came up out of Double A too. I mean, you got that call in Double A. There are, I mean, some people come up out of Double A, but that's, it's fairly rare. I imagine you never expected to come from Double A.
7: I mean, that was always the goal, um, you know, going into last year. You know, be good enough and get up. Yeah. And, and, you know, Bobby Jinx was in there the next day That's or true. a week before, and he said that he told us the same story. You know, I came up from AA, so you're not far away. Right. And a week later, there it is. And, you know, it's definitely – you have to remember that they called you up for a reason. You know, they believe you should be there, and – you need to believe in yourself that you can be there and pitch well and, and do what you need to do.
3: I've got a ball in my hand here. I, I play catch <laughs> very with little I, I play catch with our uh, 16-year-old daughter, and I also still, if I can find somebody to play fast pitch with me against a wall, I'll still do it. I'm one of the few guys who still throws a screwball. How come nobody throws a screwball anymore? I have no answer for you there. <laughs> I have no idea, but I think i
2: Maybe I can learn it. And guys will throw that circle change. That's pretty close to I mean, that action is a little close to it. It is. Right?
7: I have small hands, so I can't do a circle change. I have to fork the ball. I have, I have do, so you wedge it in between. I wedge it in yeah.
3: my, my, so my ring and
7: So if, I, if I'm throwing a fastball, are my fingers supposed – I've never been able to get this straight. Are my fingers supposed to be right on the seams? Some guys do it like that. I have small hands, so I have to be on the seam. Some guys go fingers together. And what pitch do you throw where your uh, fingers are across the seam? That would be a four-seamer. Yeah.
5: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now I know. What are the attributes of pitchers, and do you think that you fall under the stereotypical, at, you know, attributes of a pitcher? I mean, do you think you're you're like most pitchers? No. 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 So am, how uh, are you different from like the typical pitcher? How am I pitcher? different?
7: Well, one, I'm six foot and a half on a good day. That's not too tall for many pitchers. Um, and I also come from a low, you know, three-quarter, unorthodox, they call it, you know, uh, angle. So, you know, you look at me and you look at a guy like Carson. We're way, you know, two different people. Um, I'm sure Kopech and Jolito are two different people. As, you know, every pitcher has their own, you know, style of how they do things. Um, so everyone's different, but for me, I'm just a little unorthodox with the, with the motion.
2: The deception has to help. I mean, if you can hide something from a hitter. Then you've got a leg up on them.
7: Yeah, if you can get any advantage on a hitter as a pitcher, you know you're gonna you take it. Guys who have deception are very hard to pick up. You know the ball seems to jump on the hitters, they call it, and get and they seem like it gets in a little quicker on their hands and, and stuff like that. We had to head to
2: a break here, but I want to ask you right before we let you go. You're healthy, offseason surgery, ready to roll, and and I would imagine for you, the the goal is to. Break camp with the club if you can, right? I mean, that has
7: to be. 100% healthy, and, uh, you know, that's the goal going in is, you know, make that team. And if not, and if I do not, and go to AAA, be ready whenever the call is needed.
5: Well, I I, I hope that your third uh, part of your strategy happens and that you stay forever.
7: I appreciate it. That's the goal, and that's what, you know, everyone works for, so. Tyler, appreciate you
2: stopping by. We will, uh, we'll see you a little later and see you in spring.
7: Awesome. Thank Absolutely. you, guys. Thank you, Tyler. Absolutely. Good luck to you. Appreciate it.
2: Uh, Bob Surratt and Marianne Murciano here with us for White Sox Weekly at SoxFest 2017. I'm Connor McKnight. We've got a packed list of guests coming up for the rest of the show. Uh, First-round pick, Zach Collins, is going to join us right about 1 o'clock. Ed and DJ swing by at one we We'll just tell stories with them. Dan Jennings and Zach Birdie, who both throw very, very hard are going to join us as well. 312-591-8900. A little space for phone calls when we get back. you got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back. Welcome back. To White Sox Weekly here at SoxFest 2017, I'm Connor McKnight. And with me, Bob Surratt and Marianne Murciano of the Bob Surratt and Marianne Murciano show from 10 until noon on WLS AM 890. It was convenient that you guys were hired to do the same show.
3: <laughs> yeah, yes, it, makes it is. It, it really makes works out little little well. Easier. And I should point out before we go any further, because people do come up to me and, you know, give me the business about uh, being a Cubs fan, and over the years they know about uh, my connection with that team. Let me just say, first of all, there are too many people on that bandwagon right now. so uh, It is and, an and, overloaded and, bandwagon. And, yes, and also I want to make a little bit uh, room for some new people, and also I feel in some ways that a lot of my work uh, for the uh, North Siders uh, has been accomplished now. And since, uh, <laughs> and since, since they won it all last year, and the Sox haven't won it uh, all since 2005, I thought maybe I'd I'd help out a little bit on the South Side this year because
5: Bob takes. Complete credit for mm-hmm. the Cubs winning the World Series. Yeah. Well,
3: it's good. I mean, as as
5: the White Sox
2: slowly re, uh, start to rebuild and bring in a bunch of young talent, we need talent on the, on the fringes, too.
3: Guys like you and me. And Don't call good. Bob on the fringe. No, no, that's, that's what we need. <laughs> that's exactly right. I'm on the fringe. That's exactly how and, we're going to help build and this And I've up. said this uh, many times over the years on TV and radio, uh, that uh, it, it's fun to be in a city where you, you have uh, different ballparks, you have uh the National League the American League and uh we always have enjoyed taking the family out to uh uh, whatever it's called, Comiskey Park, the cell of... Uh,
2: Guaranteed rate. Thank you. Yeah. Uh,
3: and they do a great job, really, especially... I especially always love those fireworks nights, and the food is always Saturday great nights. out there. Saturday yeah. nights, Yes. Uh, so it's just fun to... And I'm one of those guys uh, who can travel around the country and go to a Major League Baseball game anywhere and enjoy it, which I think... I don't know that the NFL, the NBA, the NHL has that kind of appeal, does it's, it? It's not the same, drug. I don't.
2: It's an everyday thing that baseball... Baseball is, you know, it's both a grind and kind of this blessing that it's always there for you. And players talk about this a lot, too. And I think it's, you know, whether it's Tyler or whether it's Harold Baines, you know, years before when he was playing, there's tomorrow's game's coming regardless of what you did yesterday. And there's this, it it, it can feel, especially when you're interviewing players or when you're talking to them, you know, it it can feel like it's rote or or like Mm -hmm. some of the comments are a little bit cliche. But how, how would you operate If you didn't have that in your mind, that each next day was a brand new one, how would you possibly deal with failure? It's like
5: us when we do shows. I mean, you can't, like, you know, overthink what you did or said yesterday because uh, it's like there's a new one tomorrow. Yeah, and many
3: times after uh, TV or radio broadcast, I've had to have rotator cuff surgery. (laughs) So there is that. Yeah, it's exactly like that. And you know what? I still turn into a 12-year-old kid uh, whenever I'm around Major League Baseball players, whether it's uh, Sox Fest or any other fest. And and yesterday – uh, I was uh, I was thrilled to not only uh, meet Carlton Fisk and have a chance to talk to him for the first time, but then it turns out he watched us uh, on TV when he was here, and uh, I, I feel like a kid uh, around him. In fact, we, we took a picture. We've got it posted on uh, uh, Facebook.com slash Is Was that the site, Marianne? <laughs> is that it? that is
5: that the right? site, Bob.
3: <laughs> so the, and the picture, I <laughs> swear,
5: Merciano. the guy
3: looks like, imagine him without his glasses and a little younger. I say he looks like Larry Lujak. Take a look and let me know what you think.
5: Well and, and also it was very funny when you um, when you told him that. Oh, right. what was his reaction, Bob?
3: He said, Oh yeah, animal stories.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's fantastic. It's it's funny to see like especially to, to talk to some of the guys who you grew up watching, whether you know, whether you're my age or whatever age you are, and and they kinda have that connection, you know, to you guys since you've been you, you've been part of this town in, in such a real way. And and really whether it's whether it's baseball or not it, you know that exists in a daily
3: basis right, in the same you, way you don't think that that's the case but because you have them on a uh, on a plateau you, you really do at least yeah. at least uh, many of us do
5: right but but you then you go back and, and what i was thinking about Carlton Fisk yesterday when he said that was that okay this guy he didn't just play baseball he got up in the morning and he made breakfast and then he Get got dressed. Right. He did. Yeah, he was like a normal guy, you know, when he wasn't on the field. Yeah. But we do we do tend to build these people up and think, oh, you know, like this especially us boys. Guy.
2: Well, we, we, we me, boys. I mean, he hit one of the most iconic home runs in Major League history. I mean, and, and just. I, I can't see him without thinking, and, yeah, it's with the Red Sox and everything, but I can't yeah. see him without, without watching him waving the ball and hoping and yeah. praying that it stays. Uh, I, I just, exactly. and, and that's, I mean, that's the kind of stuff where I, I can go little kid on sure. it too. Hey, I mean, it's it's, a it's Hall really of Famer. Easy.
5: Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Connor, were you always a baseball fan? Yeah, or what, always what, always what?
2: growing up. I was a huge baseball fan. I, I was just, I don't know why, but it just kind of spoke to me more than other sports uh, and, it, and really, in a, in a lot of ways, like you know, Tyler making the big leagues. I mean, this was you know kind of my dream, you know, doing and baseball.
5: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, did you always know that you were going to work in sports? I always knew gonna...
2: that I wasn't going to be a player because I was terrible. <laughs> I could not hit a breaking ball to save my life. So that it, it kind of went away quickly. So you're, so you're tall. P- you're tall.
3: You should have been on the mound.
2: Well, I pitched a little bit, and and I got I got turned around a lot too. You know, I mean, I, I got really used to the motion where you throw and then look up in the air as the ball <laughs> sails over the wall. I got really used to that. Uh-huh. Had a lot of conversation. Yeah. I mean, a a lot of conversations. But, but, yeah, yeah, but you department.
5: did know that you wanted to go into broadcasting. I, I wanted to be
2: I wanted to be a, a writer first. coming out of college I was I was a writer, an English major at, at Wisconsin and, and I thought I could write. Um, but I graduated in 2007 and then in 2008, everyone's money went away.
6: So yeah. no one was hiring
2: anybody <laughs> for anything. So I, I just kinda I lucked into a gig at the at the at another shop, I guess we can say. Yeah and, and enjoyed my time there. Immensely. We we
5: worked with you yeah. over there at the, you're talking about WTN.
2: Uh the shop before that. Oh, before uh, there's that, been there have so. been many shops. Okay. I've been, I've been All right. in many shops. I wouldn't know about that.
5: Oh yeah, we yeah.
2: <laughs> Completely unfamiliar. Well, thank God that we're in a town that has as many shops as we do and as many ball clubs as we do, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, ball players and ball clubs, Zach Collins is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. We've got the 1 o'clock news on the way, and then uh, first-round pick of the White Sox in the 2016 draft, Zach Collins is going to hang out. I got a chance to see Zach play in the Arizona Fall League just a couple of months ago. We'll talk with Zach about that and what he learned About sticking behind the plate for the White Sox coming up. 312 591 8900. A little time for phone calls sprinkled in and out. Uh, But the news is next here on White Sox Weekly. You got WLS AMA
6: 90.
2: Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here at Sox Fest 2017. I'm Connor McKnight and with me, Bob Srot and Marianne Merciano. We are joined by first-round pick of the Chicago White Sox, a man who did a little catching in the Arizona Fall League and throughout the minors, played his college ball in Florida. Zach Collins is with us here this afternoon. Hi, Zach. How you doing? Doing well. Hi, doing Zach. Well. Hello. Uh, meet Bob and Marianne. They're new on our station, but uh, not new to Chicago at all. Well-known around these parts. And I, I would imagine uh, for you, being here at SoxFest, your first SoxFest, you are pretty well-known by some fans, too, being as highly drafted as you were.
8: Yeah, it seems like a lot of people know me more than I thought. Yeah, um, that's okay. Uh, you get a bit <laughs> to it. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun out here this weekend, and getting to see a lot of new faces and, and meet a lot of new people has been great.
5: Did you play for the University of Miami?
8: Yes, I did.
5: Yeah. What was that like uh, for you, living in Miami? I'm from Miami. I mean, really? I, I grew up in Miami.
8: Yeah, I mean, that was a dream come true for me. I grew up going to all the games and stuff, and watching all those guys like Yonder Alonzo and Yasmani. they grew up and. And uh, are now in the big leagues, and I kind of wanted to follow that same path, and um, it was a dream come true playing there.
5: Did you uh, get used to the heat ever? Uh, the, uh, well, the humidity, I mean.
8: I'm from there, <laughs> so I guess I was kind of used to it as much as you possibly could be. But um, can't walk outside without sweating. I guess. Where did you grow up? Fort Lauderdale.
5: Fort Lauderdale. Pembroke Pines, yeah. Pembroke Pines, yeah. yeah. I know the the area very well.
8: Yeah, yeah. I lived there my whole life, so. So the guys from
2: there. With all the humidity, knows what he's getting into, and chooses to catch and wear
3: all that gear while you're playing baseball.
6: Yeah,
2: that's. I mean, you're wearing it. Come on. (laughs) How did
3: how did you you get convinced to do that? Because you you pitched, you played infield positions, and then uh, catching came a bit late, didn't it?
8: Right, I I grew up playing shortstop and third base, and pitching also kind of did the whole thing. But um, I don't know. It just hit me at like 13. I just really wanted to catch and. Um, I guess I kind of got bored just like playing with the dirt at
5: third and short. And, um,
3: yeah, you're definitely in the game a lot more yeah, when right, you're yeah. catching, aren't you? And yeah. then,
5: um, and then you, you, uh, I mean, you knew that you would have to eventually, like in your life, you would have to do a lot of squats, <laughs> Yeah. right? For sure,
8: <laughs> a lot of body weight squats.
5: <laughs> yeah, and and uh, you were okay with that? Yeah, I'm, I hate I doing it. squats.
8: <laughs> it, it, it gets easy as you go. It,
5: it does. How are your knees?
8: They're perfect.
5: So, so do you put the weight? on your heels more so that you don't mess up your knees when you're doing that? I mean, do you have time to think? Um, or are you really. just trained?
8: Yeah. I'm, is it like muscle my memory? First, my first so. year catching was rough. My knees were, like, absolutely killing me. And I was like, I don't know if I could do this. But I guess after that first year, you start getting used to it. And, like, ever since, my knees haven't hurt, like, at all, ever. And
5: what is the antidote to, to doing that? You know, like, like what's the opposite? Yeah. Of, like, what do you do to relieve the stress on the knees.
8: Well there's a lot of new technology now as you probably know but um before just Advil massage. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and now?
8: Um now they have these new machines called Norma tech machines where you like put your legs up and they look like space boots that like go all the way up to your hips and they like I guess rotate the blood in there and stuff like that. It feels amazing. You but kidding it's me? Pre- really It's pretty much just a massage.
5: I want one of those. Where do, you every, get, where do you get those? They're, yeah. they're
8: in SkyMall Magazine, I think. <laughs> yeah. You have to hear
3: airplanes ride somewhere. Does everybody now catch uh, one-handed with one hand, you know, behind the back or something like that yeah. to protect your fingers?
8: I mean, some some guys do it a little differently. But um, for the most part, yeah, you kind of keep that one hand behind the back. I learned that the hard way in college when I got smoked in my hand that wasn't wearing anything. But
3: I think Randy Hundley may have been the first. Guy to do that when he was with the Cubs uh, in, in I the '60s, him doing that, yeah. And then everybody just followed. Yeah,
8: him. it's a it's a little bit different when there's someone on base because you kind of want your hand close to the glove. Someone steals or whatever, but um, yeah, for the most part, you have it behind your. Or, back. or if
2: you've got a breaking ball and you know you have to go get it, I mean, you, what you probably you're throwing both hands out there, yeah. Cave in your chest to keep it in front of you too. So yeah, for sure. You're always in harm's way. There's nothing you can do to really stop yeah. yourself from getting pegged with a with a baseball.
8: Yeah, the, I mean, some of the worst hits I've ever had are just like. Like not even balls in the dirt where you have to block or anything. It's just like foul tips off the mask. Like those are the worst.
5: Um, you're you're really young. You're uh, are you 21 years old? Yep. Yeah, 21. you're 21 years old. Wow, that's just amazing because you're like you know in your in your uh, baseball gear. You know you you're like a man. You're not a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I have
3: how, baseball uh, mitts older <laughs> than so, 21. Uh, so <laughs>
5: how as a 21 year old how what does that feel like to like suddenly be thrown into this you know situation with all these you know really experienced people and how do you like how do you say hey listen to me or whatever you know what I mean like how do you do it
8: uh it's tough especially I guess once I start playing on the big league squad when there's guys that are 38 years old playing with me and I'm however young I am but um it's tough but I think University of Miami helped me out a lot with um the whole media side of things and, and I guess learning how to mature really 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 fast and um, I guess it, it just has to become like one team where everyone trusts everyone and, and that's what we do
3: if, if I'm pitching if I'm a veteran pitcher and you're catching me rookie and you're coming <laughs> out to the mound to talk to me now I I'm thinking hey junior go back behind the plate yeah. I'll handle this so uh, how much of a challenge is that
8: uh, it's a huge challenge, but you'd be surprised. Sometimes when I go out there, the pitcher really says, hey, junior, and go back to the
3: – They um, do, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I say, hey,
8: senior, listen to me, what I have to say. Man. For you, yeah. Um, no, but uh, – Because you're really
3: the captain when you're out there yeah. catching, aren't you?
8: Yeah, and I mean, for the most part, you got to learn how to deal with, with whoever's on the mound. Some guys are crazier than others, and um, – Obviously, if it's a veteran guy like from going out there and Quintana's on the mound, then I'm not going to tell him what to do because he obviously knows what he's doing. So, so will um, he understand you? Yeah, yeah, he'll understand me. I know how to speak a little Spanish, so good for you. Yeah. You
2: got to be a little bit of a psychologist too, as as a catcher. Whether it's in between innings or, or during one, you yeah. might have to talk to your guy and get whether it's on the same page or or leave the page that you were on, try and do something different.
8: Yeah, um, the biggest thing is kind of knowing what your game plan is going to be. Going on with with the next hitters coming up, and obviously what's the situation of the game and stuff like that.
5: Okay, so this is a question I've always wanted to ask a, a catcher. Um, do you ever just make up your own signs?
8: What? Uh, <laughs> like. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Why would he do that?
5: No, you know, like like to signal what you know, like what kind of a pitch.
2: Um, um, like do you? Like throw down fakes, like to like yeah, to fake like, out of the you... team, like if you know somebody's trying
5: to take one from off you, like no. Game? No, I mean, like, do you make it up, or, or is there, like, do you come up with, like, a certain way to signal?
8: Yeah, we come up with a certain way, or else the be, pitcher would be confused, and then I would get probably hit in the face. But is it, the I mean, pitch. like, but do you do it
5: exactly the same way that the other catcher would do it?
8: I mean, oh, or do no. you have,
5: like, your own language?
8: Yeah, we pretty much have our own. Uh, it all varies between uh, team to team, so um, we'll get together with our... Pitching staff and, and all the coaches and stuff, and come up with that.
3: Have you ever been uh, out on the mound in a conference, and uh, what you're talking about has nothing to do with baseball?
8: Oh, plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I want to
3: hear. I want to hear about. Uh, Hey, uh, did you check out the uh, sixth row behind third base? Or
8: yeah. so where are we
3: going tonight, anyway? Any, anything? I can't along tell you that because my girlfriend's
8: here. But oh,
3: know. <laughs> right. We know you never were in that kind of a conversation. You know, the other guys said. Yeah, but the other uh, But you remember specifically any conversations that were particularly wacky and had nothing to do with the game situation?
8: Um. Yeah, I do. Um, there's one time where I went out there and just kind of said, hey, did you watch that episode of SpongeBob yesterday? And,
6: <laughs> <laughs> of course, <laughs> I mean, SpongeBob. It's, it's just,
8: it has nothing to do with the game, but it's pretty much just to relax the pitcher and right. just kind of get him to to know that, that we're just out here having fun and, and uh, doing his thing.
5: I'm still wondering about, okay, the question that I really meant to ask about the signals, okay, is like, all right, because it happens so fast. Yeah. So if the pitcher, like, blinks or something and misses it, like, you know, Sometimes I think, do it again. Like,
3: yeah. Connor, do you understand why I don't like like to take Mary into baseball games (laughs) and nothing but these questions (laughs) constantly during the game? I want
5: to know. I don't want her watching
3: TV with me when the game is on. You know, did you ever try to explain, uh, did you ever try to explain to your girlfriend maybe, uh, 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 some of the intricacies of baseball, why certain things happen, and then you start explaining it and you realize, well, this doesn't make any sense. I can't explain not this. All, not at all whatsoever. A, it, you know, the answer is sometimes is, well, they've always done it yeah, that way. They've always, because running the
2: third first would be weird. I don't know what to tell you. Exactly yeah. right. don't, don't go left. I <laughs>
3: yeah. Don't do
2: that. Uh, Zach, I wanted to ask you, too, uh, we got a couple of minutes left here before we get you out of here and on your way and on your day, but uh, I, I got a chance to hang out with you in the Arizona Fall League, came down and, and watched a little bit, um, and, and I wanted to ask how – the fall league was for you. I know you were pretty jacked about going down there. It's, it's a hotbed of talent. You work with a lot of pitchers who have either seen big league time or are about to. And, and I would imagine as a young catcher coming up through, through the minor leagues as you did last year, there was a lot of learning that I imagine had to be done in the fall league for you.
8: Yeah, for sure. I kind of went into it knowing that I wasn't going to get a lot of playing time. And, um, I was perfect with that. I mean, the white Sox told me that before I went there. Yeah. Um, I learned a ton when I was there. I think it was probably the, the best decision I've made um, since I've been playing professional ball was to go there and just catch all the bullpens and, and learn a lot from the veteran catchers that were there. And um, I mean, I learned a ton. I was just pretty much the, the bullpen catcher and got to play once a week. But um, I guess just trying to make that transition into uh, playing with the older guys and stuff like that, and it, it went well. I know you know catchers
2: have to marinate in the minor leagues for a little bit longer than other positions, or at least typically they do. You don't see guys like – I know Zunino with the Seattle Mariners came up pretty quick, but that's that's kind of the exception to the rule. Is that something that, that you've got to keep in your head a little bit, or, or do you throw that out the window and say, I'm going to get there on my own when I get there?
8: Um, I'm not really too worried about making it to the big leagues like as soon as possible. I mean, okay. this whole White Sox uh, rebuild thing is is going to be big for us, and I think – whether it's tomorrow or in 10 years, I think we're going to get a championship here. And um, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. And I'm just kind of learning as much as I can now to, to for when I get to the big leagues, I, I can be ready and, and stay there. I'm not trying to go back up and down and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So whether it's this year or the, the following year, when it, whenever it is, I'll be ready. So.
2: Zach, best of luck. Really appreciate you stopping by. Have a great spring, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you a little while. Okay, thanks.
5: Thanks, Zach. And, it's and, great to meet and you. And, Zach, uh,
3: Marianne wants you to explain the double switch to her <laughs> during the break. <laughs> yep.
5: Good luck. Yeah. We wish back. you lots of luck. Thank you. All Zach right, Collins,
2: first round pick of the White Sox, joining us here on White Sox Weekly. We've got a quick break, and we'll hang out with Bob and Marianne just a little bit. Brendan Greeley is going to join us, too. Ed and DJ are coming by just to tell stories for about an hour and a half. A little later on, I'm Connor McKnight. You got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to a very special edition of White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and we are hanging out with the stars of the station throughout the afternoon. Bob Sarat, Marianne Murciano here with us. We're also hanging out with the stars of the White Sox, and a big thanks to them for uh, for getting us all these awesome guests throughout the course of Sox Fest. We've had uh, Rick Renteria. We've had Todd Steverson yesterday. Nate Jones was hanging out with us. Eric Soderholm of the Southside Hitmen. Tim Anderson, Tyler Saladino, Harold Baines, Tyler Danish, Zach Collins. Coming up at 1:30, Ed Farmer and Darren Jackson are going to hang out. Dan Jennings and Zach Birdie. So a couple of guys who throw real hard. And then Sunday we've got a, a whole lineup full of stars as well. But guys, it's been fun hanging out and uh, and really cool. I'm, I'm glad you guys were able to make your first Socks Fest. No, I think uh, maybe the microphone is, uh, I don't know. It's it's like the
3: city council uh, under Mayor uh, Richard M. Daley. When uh, they've had enough, they just turn your microphone off, Marianne. That's how it works.
2: (laughs) Maybe the battery died. We'll get you a new one. We'll go to Brown. We'll go to the Brown microphone.
3: Actually, uh, uh, truth be told, uh, I have uh, sneaked into uh, a fest or two over the years. You know, I mean, people do... (laughs) you know sort of give me the business about being a Cubs fan but I I do love baseball as we discussed and I've always loved going to both parks and I think as we mentioned on our on our midday show yesterday on the station I think it's different when you get older. I, I remember being a kid growing up on the north side in Albany Park, and, and I'm old enough to remember 1959, and the Sox won, and uh, I had to go into hiding as a Cubs fan in the neighborhood at that time. But sure. and then you grow up, and you, you kind of appreciate both teams, and you should anyway, or else something's wrong with your life.
5: I have a question for, for Connor, mm-hmm. though, because uh, in the little time that Bob and I have been here today, uh, you know, we've... You talked to, you know, a few of the players, a couple of really, really young guys. Yeah. And now you're going to be going to Arizona, and you're mm-hmm. going to be watching these these kids playing. Right. And, um, like, tell me about, like, is there – I know what – they're all saying the right thing. Well, if I don't make it, that's fine. There's next year, you know, and whatever. But is there a lot of heartbreak that goes on? I,
2: I think for a lot of those kids, um, especially with a roster that the White Sox have now, like, there is an expectation that you have to have. Like, they just – you get to this level and you're just naturally competitive. You can't be a major league baseball player or a guy on the cusp like Tyler Danish or like Zach Collins and not have this almost insane competitive streak in you, right? I mean, you've almost been weeded out.
5: So no matter what they're saying here now, I mean, there is, if they don't make it up, it's going to be heartbreaking.
2: I think, you know, there are different expectations for some guys, but you know, for, for some of the younger guys, but at some point, Having Ricky tell you that you know, you're know you going down to the AAA camp and you're not going to be one of the 25 that breaks it, yeah, yeah, it can be, I wouldn't say crushing, but it'll be a disappointment for some guys. But I, I think a lot of them understand, and this is how baseball always works, you don't finish the season with the same 25 as you started. You know, Guys come up, guys get hurt, guys get sick, guys get traded, and at some point you can be a contributor to a good ball club. And, and I think that's kind of always in the back of your mind as you kind of, whether you're sent down or whether you're, you know, traded or moved on to a different team, all that 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 same kind of drive and desire never goes away for these guys.
3: Marianne, there's no crying in baseball.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know there isn't, but I, still, my heart goes out to them because they're. I mean, they're they're young and they they don't have the experience that in life that they they can't because when you're in your 20s yeah. you know you still you know you 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 feel things in a different way than when life has beat you up in your 40.
2: <laughs> and we're going to see some of that. We're going to see some of that beaten up I think in spring training so to speak. There are guys, there's a lot of competition in some roster spots for the White Sox and I'm I'm actually really looking forward to it because I've seen spring trainings before where you know maybe there's four guys battling it out for a center field spot like the White Sox might have and that that gets to be good competition and it breeds better ball players down the line i think a lot of those guys could benefit from a spring like they may have
3: sure uh, now, uh, Marianne, the uh, the interview that you conducted mostly in Spanish uh, yesterday. <laughs> but uh, also in
5: English. But also in English, Can, yeah. Are
3: we going to eventually see that somewhere?
5: Well, there's going to be there's two versions of it. One is the one that I think is already on WLS.com. WLSAM.com, yeah. Com, yeah. And I, that's posted there already. It's just like the raw video. And then you and I, Bob, shot a video of – us attending this, and then we also including that interview and uh, you know a little extra material. You know, shall yeah, we bonus say, material. the right. bonus material. I want to mention too,
2: for, for those just tuning in to uh, White Sox Weekly, that the video is with Jose Abreu and Yoan Moncada. Yeah, so, I you know, know. Probably worth your time to go head over the website. And watch I know it, it know. is. It's, it's really awesome.
5: cool. It's uh, it's awesome, and then. The version that, we're, that Bob and I are doing with the bonus material, that is going to be appearing on our YouTube page, susosfork.com, Susos and we'll also post it on our Facebook page, Surat and Murciano. So you can find that there, too. We, don't worry. We will be talking about it ad nauseum on our show weekdays on WLSAM from 10 to 12.
3: Yes, we will in the daytime,
2: guys. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, really guys. appreciate it. Always Great good to having be with you. you Soxfest, and Thank we you, will see Connor. you. Uh, on Monday,
5: Connor. You, uh, and I have to say, you do such a great oh, job. Thanks. I'm so happy that we're working with you.
2: Thanks. I'm looking forward to it too. It's gonna be a great season uh, for the White Sox. Should be a fun one. We can't wait to get started. Uh, coming up, we got the one thirty news. Brent Greeley, the Steve Dahl show is gonna stop by, and plenty of White Sox fest going on here at Sox Fest 2017. W- WLS AM 90. Welcome back to a special edition of a White Sox Weekly here at Sox Fest down at the Hilton on Michigan Avenue, and we have uh, we've made the line change, we've made the shift change so to speak. Mm-hmm. I'm still Connor McKnight; I haven't changed at all. But Brendan Greeley of the Steve Dahl Show is with us. Hi, Brendan. Good to have you. Hey, great to be here, Connor. Absolutely and, uh,
0: representing the Steve Dahl Show. We get Steve, Steve Steve couldn't be here. No, but,
2: uh, you got to represent. Yeah. The stars so. of the station coming through, and the uh, the stars of the White Sox broadcast. Coming through as well, Darren Jackson and Ed Farmer joining us. Uh, Ed's on his way up. DJ's here. Hi, DJ.
9: Well, hello, Connor. Yeah, so, no, uh, Ed will make it here at, yeah. at his convenience. Yeah. get right? here a, now. Get, you get a, get a son's few son's words time. in edgewise while you can. He was busy. He was over there definitely getting mobbed I by the, I was the fans. Lunch.
1: We were having lunch. What did you guys have? Uh, what did you have, the manicotti? Because I had the chicken ala sure
9: that sounds really
2: good. I'm very hungry.
1: I would have brought some, he bit me. Fletch bit you? Yeah, grabbing for the food. He bit my hand. Sure, that'll happen.
2: Yeah, you'll have that. Uh, how has Sox best been for you guys? I'm sure uh, questions from the fans and conversations about the White Sox new direction have been uh, have been plentiful.
9: Well, absolutely. Um, the enthusiasm is there for the fans that are here, that is for sure. Uh, The number one thing that everybody's excited about is obviously the influx of the young talent that's here. So um, as enthusiastic as the fans are, we are as well, because we love getting the opportunity to see unproven talent get here to this level, and we get to watch and see what they're going to do. There's the key. See how successful they will be. The potential's there. Now let's see if they live up to it. Uh, I was just talking with uh, – Ed, I remember talking with you yesterday just
2: uh, at the the, the sit-around here with the media and some of the new players. I didn't realize that Lucas Giolito was built like a tri- – I mean, he's a massive, massive dude. And I, I know you scouted him a little bit too.
1: I did. I saw him in high school. He, was, he did that body in high school.
2: He didn't? He did. Oh, he did. Yeah, he yeah. was like it's that. It's a huge, huge 101 guy.
1: 101 miles an hour. Unbelievable. And he had a slider that was uh, 50 his average major league slider. He was thrown into 65 hmm. so the kids at
2: Gora High School in Southern California they didn't really have a good time with Lucas him. I can imagine yeah they you know hit him so when you when you look at some of these young guys that are that are coming up and coming in you know things like the, the hitters mini camp that they had a couple of weeks ago with some of the young talent I I, I would imagine that you can't as as a young player being in those shoes you want to press to to impress but Doing too much, I would imagine, in that spring is going to come back to haunt you at some point.
9: Well, you know, there's an importance to impress, yes. But they, by now, already know how to control those emotions. They've been playing professionally through the minor leagues, some to the big leagues already. Yeah, Uh, They did it as kids, controlling their emotions uh, when their families were out there watching them and friends, scouts. You know how to control all that. The only difference is when you get here to spring training and you want to impress – is you've got to learn how to keep your composure and get the job done. There's the key. Um, as long as you've had the right amount of repetitions in the minor leagues and the right amount of pitches that you've thrown, yeah. you get to the big leagues and you're looking at the competition, and saying you've got no chance. And you take that attitude, and you'll be fine. How much is skill? How much of spring training can be skill building,
2: like learning, or, or is it just kind of, you know, can can you really learn in spring if you're a guy who's you know going to be in and out of that, that major league camp? Uh, it depends. I mean,
1: it, you, uh, it depends on how old he is. Uh, for Darren and me, we'll, we went from high school. Yeah. Uh, I was in the big leagues the next year at 18. Wow. So it was just like I was pitching against high school kids, mm-hmm. but they happened to be big league players. So I, I never got that uh, that wham, these guys are big league players. It was, uh, it was like, hey, these guys are the same guys I faced at Brother Rice or Leo High School or Mount Carmel, but – Scouting-wise, I look at it a lot differently. I look at it, this guy we're going to put in this position to do this, that, and this. We're going to bring him along. Uh, I told you before, the number one pick that I had in the country when I was with the Orioles yeah. was Ben McDonald. We never gave him a chance to be a professional. If it was going to rain in Frederick or Hagerstown, very close in the state of Maryland, that's where our A-ball teams were. Frederick was a little IRA. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it was going to rain there, we'd move him to buoy mm. So he never missed a start. Oh. That for me, is something you need to learn in minor leagues certainly how to play. Shouldn't they also to face adversity?
0: The so ebb and It's flow not going to be that of, yeah. easy where you,
1: you got to have that kid sit around and say, you know, I wonder what's going to happen. I haven't played in four or five days, or rain has taken my start away from me. Uh-huh. I think that's invaluable training in minor leagues as well. They have the talent or they wouldn't be signed.
0: Sure. I always wondered when a top prospect gets traded from one organization to another, even if it's for a big name like Chris Sale or or Eaton, is there some sort of feeling like, is there some sort of like bad feeling about that towards the organization that traded you and then something extra to prove, like, all right, you gave up on me, so I'm going to show you, or or when you're that good of a player, it doesn't really matter?
9: Well, it really comes down to your experience with the team you were playing for and how you left. Mm -hmm. If you left on good terms, no, you don't feel that. When I get back against these guys, I'll show you. Uh, it was something mutual, which I was traded on several occasions. Uh-huh. It was more like I need to get out of here. I requested, and it, you, you don't have any hard feelings. But if it, well, you were right in the middle of a campaign where you're excited about being there, and all of a sudden you wake up, you go, "Wait a minute, I've been traded." Yeah, you might want to prove something though. So it really depends on the circumstances.
2: Mm-hmm. You guys had a chance to uh, to speak with. I'm sure you have Ricky Renteria, new manager of the White Sox. I had a chance to, to talk with him a couple of days ago, and just I, I was really impressed with. And maybe I didn't realize it, but maybe the, the guy's intense. Yeah. The guy is intense and, and absolutely focused on on baseball 100% of the time.
1: He was my third baseman the last year I played.
2: Really? Yeah. Oh. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. We so were in, you knew the guy.
1: We're in, I still don't. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> we were th- in Hawaii good. together. That was a tough place to play. I figured I'm going out. This is my last year playing. I'm going to play in Honolulu. And then we're going to make a road trip every 12 days to the mainland. That's that's tough you know, I got tired of eating.
2: Fresh pineapple. Sure. <laughs> yeah. it, was,
1: uh, it was a curse. But, yeah, Renteria was the third baseman. and His wife, Eileen, friends of mine. Yeah, he's a great guy.
2: Did you pick him out as a, as a potential manager then? I mean, do, can you yeah, see that? Yeah, there were a couple
1: guys on that team in Hawaii. Uh, Tom Sand was the manager. And there were a couple guys on the team. One of them was a bench coach for the San Francisco Giants. He'll manage someday in the big leagues also. That's Ron Wotus. But Renteria, yeah. It was like having a
2: manager on the field. Just because of his his, yeah, smarts, his knowledge position, of what was going, going on? Right
0: now. Yeah. Speaking of Hawaii, I know Ed, you're tight friends with Steve Dahl, and yeah. I'm, I'm here representing his son now Steve works for the White Sox. Yeah, Matt, exactly. Matt, Matt's out there, yeah. but uh, Steve couldn't be here today because he had uh, he had a bunion bunionectomy.
1: He had what a bun? <laughs> bun- bungee? <laughs> a, bun-
0: a bunion? A bunionectomy. So yeah, you know he, he wanted to be here to, yeah, to chat sure with he you. Yeah, sure.
1: He's probably at home on a Chase Lounge. Yeah. <laughs> Janet, <laughs> no, bring no, me no, some no. lunch. I did an hour ago. Okay, Steve.
0: <laughs> no, he's uh, he was bummed he couldn't be here to hang out with you. But, uh, you know, that's it. Uh, and foot problems. He was
1: bummed? Wait till I call him.
0: <laughs> foot, foot problems, you know, the, those are, that's, the, yeah, that's the
2: basis of your. You, you can't be missing SoxFest with foot problems.
9: I mean, this well, is, it's it is, much more if important. If it
2: was football, I could understand it. Because yeah. foot problems.
9: Hey, can you guys think. stay on topic, please? No. What are you no, guys no, doing no, over no, there? No, it's, can't do
2: it. It's not topic. What, um, what, what about a major league manager, or what about Rick, makes him different from other major league managers? Why, why was he, in, in your opinion, since you know him as well as you do, Ed, uh, why was he the right pick for this club at this time? Uh, well, his knowledge of the game, number one, yeah. that outweighs
1: uh, everything. Also, we have an influx of Latin American players and Cuban players. I've been to Dominican, I've been to Puerto Rico, been to Mexico, been to Venezuela. When I go to their country, they're more the generous with me. Mm-hmm. It gives them an edge now. They can go and talk in their native tongue with Rich Renteria, where they may be uh, sometimes when you're young and you come to the big leagues. For all of us, we're a little timid about approaching a manager. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the manager starts speaking your native tongue. That can relax uh, some young kids. Sure. Especially uh, the kid we got from the Boston Red Sox.
2: Yoan uh, Mercado. Yeah. yeah.
1: This guy's, I've read the reports on him from...
2: From a few people, not necessarily with our organization, they're glowing. Yeah, no, yeah. kids got a lot of power, yeah. and it sounds like I mean, with the White Sox, as you as you look at a depth chart now, there's reps at second base to be had, and I, and I think a lot of White Sox fans here at, at Sox Fest and who have called the show and whatnot are really wondering whether or not he can break camp with the club and kind of, you know, be
9: that guy throughout the season. Well, the truth is this: right now, I think the White Sox can hold auditions in spring training, and if you deserve to be here. We see that uh, Rick Hahn and the organization will make moves yeah. to open a spot for a potential player at the big league, big league level. Now, that doesn't mean that Mancada or others are going to be on the big league roster opening day. They go down and play well. They make some trades. You're in the big leagues. The whole key is for any young player to always think about the fact that you're going to be here. Just be ready yeah. to get here. Don't don't get upset if all of a sudden you don't break camp. You get a bad attitude a chip on your shoulder. That doesn't help because some guys get set back by that, and I think... Hopefully, we'll get to see these guys, if not at the very start of the season, as soon as possible.
1: Uh, remember this. Uh, when you look at our staff, when we look at the position players, look at some of the pitching that's been acquired as well. Yeah. I know one thing, Darren and I talked about this. We're not going to back down from anybody as far as size goes with the pitching staff. They're huge. This is a group of giant guys yeah. and uh, with good arms. Now we want to see, uh, as Darren and I both will tell you, it looks great right now. We want to see how they perform when we get to spring training, and then we want to see how that transcends to the regular season. The majority of them won't play camp with this team. They just won't. But then again, Tim Anderson didn't break camp with us either last year. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best shortstops as far as range goes yeah. in the big leagues right now. And he's a guy who made it. Darren, Darren will talk about this. He said, I want to, see if he, and we both did, want to see if he's going to make an adjustment at home plate. He started doing that, didn't he?
9: Well, one thing that you always had to question with Tim Anderson was, is he going to be able to handle the position of shortstop at big league level? He always hit well. You know, that's great, but when you transition to the big leagues and you play every day at this level under the microscope, can you handle the pressure? Can you handle making the plays? He handled the plays up here with no problems. To me, it was very impressive short. And hitting? Yeah, let's see if we can handle this pitching every day. I couldn't believe the adjustments made, as Ed was mentioning. The adjustments he made to hit the ball the other direction if you yeah. had to or pull the ball. He's an impressive young man. I think we've got a stack of impressive young talent ready to come up right behind him.
1: One of the big things for me was uh, Jimmy Rollins came over, great guy. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the range. And Darren and I would talk about the range of the shortstop. All of a sudden, Anderson comes to the big leagues, and those holes that were a little larger, they closed up. He threw a couple guys out from short left field on one hop to first base with an accurate throwing arm as he was going towards the north end of the ballpark. That's hard to do. That's your best friend. that, That was not taught to him. That's something he knows how to do. Now you refine that. I mean, he's got star qualities written all over him, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Fellas, appreciate you stopping by. We got Dan Jennings coming up out of the bullpen in just a couple of minutes. Uh, DJ, Ed, thanks for stopping by. Talk to and, him about uh,
1: his pace where he looks like he's going to step off the pitching rubber, then he pitches. You got the hesitation? Yeah, I yeah. like
6: it. I like it. Too. Thanks, comment. guys. Thank you, Thank guys. Fellas, See you on so
1: April 3rd. Sounds right. like a plan. Socks and
2: Tigers. I'm looking forward to it. U.S. cellular, no longer
6: U.S. No. cellular
1: field,
2: guaranteed rate we got to get that right. I expect yeah. to make that mistake no, at least obviously. a dozen <laughs> times throughout the season. I've got to get a loan from guaranteed rate field in order to make it right. <laughs> Put it up in the broadcast booth. Thanks, fellas, for stopping by. We're going to take a quick break and then talk <laughs> to Dan Jennings on the other side. You've got WLS AM 890. <laughs> Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here at SoxFest 2017. I'm Connor McKnight. Hanging out with you throughout the course of the afternoon. We've got the stars of the station hanging out with us as well. Brendan Greeley. Great to be here, Connor. Hello, Brendan. How are you? We just uh, uh, doing good. talk to Ed. And I, whenever he talks, Dan Jennings here with us out of the White Sox bullpen, hanging out as well. Hi, Dan. How you doing, guys? Whenever, whenever Brendan talks, he he does. He's got the whole deep voice thing, right? Uh-huh. Like the, the actual radio pipes. Yeah. Yeah. Listen I, I think we did the
10: the game show last year. Was that you? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, you right. lost it for our team. Thanks a lot. <laughs> hey, my, bad, my what, bad. What game show did you guys do that? That, he <laughs> that lost was to? you, right? That was. Uh, We're
0: the game show at at wait, wait. It was like
10: the Family Feud. Was that you?
0: Family Feud. That wasn't you. No, maybe I thought it was you know in like the radio it. in the radio industry you find a lot of guys like me. That I could have sworn it was dish. you and
10: somebody else. Wait, yeah, where, no, where was it? this at? It was here at SoxFest. Oh, at SoxFest.
0: Did we do? Oh. No, I was hanging out with I was it out with Connor, and then yeah. maybe it was Dan Levy. It might have
11: been him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
10: So you lost a <laughs> yeah, yeah. <the> Family Feud <laughs> style game show. Yeah, they didn't put me. They didn't invite me back.
2: To well, that well, I'm glad no, it hasn't stuck with you. I'm glad you to shake that off.
10: No, They are have me doing
2: radio interviews instead now, so I don't
10: embarrass myself. Well, that
2: has yet to be seen. We can do it. We can still embarrass. you. You or yourself or whatever. How's the offseason been, man? I know uh, coming off a season like you had where you were I, – I mean, I, I thought you took a huge step forward last year, and I know a lot of people did, and I wonder how that felt to do it.
10: It was good. You know, I was uh, first and foremost happy to, to be there for a full season and, and stay healthy. Sure. Um, that's the biggest thing, you know. I, I kind of always look at uh, first, you know, how many innings, how many appearances. Yeah. And uh, that was my biggest uh, goal and accomplishment. There's a lot of things that we can't control such as, you know, if you have one bad outing, your numbers get, you know, inflated, and, yeah. and uh, health, you know, can't really control that. So, um, I was really happy to, uh, you know, attain that goal of having um, a good number of appearances and, and uh, innings as well.
2: In, in a bullpen like you guys had too, as as you you had some injuries to it, uh, Zach Duke got traded at one point. There were there was a point in that season where your usage really stepped up. Robin seemed to trust you and put you into more sticky situations. I imagine that that's got to do a couple of things for your psyche as a player.
10: Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was good because Rob and I have a great relationship and the fact that he knows he can put me in, you know, whenever, yeah. wherever, whatever situation, three innings, two innings, one out, whatever it is. And, um, you know, I was happy to have success in, in all those roles. So that way, you know, you become versatile. And then that way, whatever the game dictates, you can do it.
2: Did you do you watch postseason baseball? I know a lot of guys t- turn it off and, and just want to get away from stuff after a while. Some guys can't stop watching. Which one are you?
10: Um we would kind of throw it on in the background sure. trainer and stuff. We're not glued to it, but we'd leave it on just so I could see who won. It's interesting to me. It's it's nice because like you you're not just watching players, you're watching former teammates, you're yeah. watching guys you've faced, you know who sure. you, you know, not only who Um, you as a fan, which we all, you know, as players, we're also fans, is who who we as fans think are good but also who we think – is good because they had success off us, and that means a, a lot of uh, different things to me. And if somebody I, I couldn't get somebody out, and then somebody else does. I'm sitting there like, how do, how do they get them out? <laughs> I can't do it. Maybe good for them. Yeah, it,
2: when you got to watch a, a, a division rival do it, I mean, you got to see Kipnis all the time. You got to see Jose Ramirez all the time. I mean, this is these are guys who, as a lefty, you're probably going to come in and have to turn out. Yeah, it,
10: they were tough. And uh, every year you kind of have one team that's your kryptonite, and they were it for me this year. I, I, just, I just couldn't figure them out. And, yeah. Um, You know, as the season went on, they got better and better. And as their confidence built, they just continued to do it. And they were a very tough team. And, uh, you know, it showed. I think I had some tough outings against them. And, and, you know, credit them. They're a really good team.
0: Uh, Do you root against Cleveland in the World Series, or do you root against the Cubs, or do you not really root for anybody?
10: You know, Sometimes you worry about getting yourself in trouble with those loaded questions, but I had to move against the Cubs because I knew it would be it tough makes sense. Yeah. being in Chicago with the Cubs as World Series champions. But I um, know oh, they did it.
2: I can't control it, and uh, it just—I think it fuels our fire a little bit. One of the things we saw in the postseason was uh, managers turning to relievers a lot earlier. Uh, you saw a guy like Andrew Miller pitch 375 innings in the postseason, which I thought was cool for him. I'm surprised his arm didn't fall off. Do you think that's you know, as a guy yourself who can come out and throw multiple innings? Do, are we seeing a slow change in, in how guys out of the bullpen are used, and how multiple innings can be a weapon for a manager out of a pen?
10: I think you are, and um, what I think managers also realize is that's not a regular season
2: thing.
6: Oh, I mean, no you doubt,
10: it, it, as soon as you burn a guy for two, three innings in a regular season game, you don't have that day off like you have the postseason. Right. You know, you're playing two, whatever it is, two games and then a day off, and then they're fresh, so they could throw both those games multiple innings, and then you get a day off, and you're kind of rejuvenated. So during the season, you know, if, especially if they're your best relievers. You're going to try to throw them often as opposed to, you know, a lot in one game and then they're kind of
2: spent. It's just weird to look at, you know, let's say managers go to throwing multiple innings a little bit more and that, that guy becomes more valuable. We see kind of that, you know, late 70s, early 80s kind of bullpen use. Guys, I, I know guys get paid for saves. So if a guy were, were really good like this but didn't have the saves, then that's going to affect him, could affect him in the pocketbook. And I wonder if that's... It's, it's a weird place to be as a reliever.
10: Yeah, and, uh, you know, who knows which way the game will shift. I right. I mean, maybe that will become more valuable in the future because, um, you know, as a guy like me who I've kind of, you know, thrived in my career throwing multiple innings right. in the past, you know, to me, you know, if I'm going out and throwing two innings as opposed to one out, the one out is more valuable on paper. But the two innings, to me, it's like I exhausted more, I threw more, you know, I got more people out, you know, it's a heavier workload. So, obviously, to me, in my mind, it's – it's more valuable for, you know, myself to, to do that. But um, the game is what it is, and uh, saves, holds, all that stuff, wins, all that stuff's important. And, and at the end of the day, I get it because at the end of the day, it's about winning. And, uh, you know, if you're throwing two innings in a losing effort, then, you know, it doesn't really do much for the team. You just kind of get through the game. That's, yeah. that's what you're doing. Yeah. Well,
0: mm-hmm. Bullpens as a group are notoriously goofy down in, the, you know, getting into some hijinks. A little you uh, Yeah, you know, you, got, you have a lot of time together down there in the bullpen. Is there somebody in the White Sox bullpen that's kind of the ringleader of the, I don't know, the little the little games or whatever or hijinks you guys might get into, yeah, or, is man, it, or is it kind of as a
6: group?
10: We're kind of we're kind of transitioning here ourselves. We uh, we lost a couple older guys. We lost Duke and we lost Albers, and those were kind of. The, the guys we would, you know, we would pick on because we'd call them, you know, old and you know what was it like playing in the '70s and stuff like that. <laughs>
3: right.
2: uh, so you
10: know we're, we're shifting a little bit younger. Uh-huh. Um, and I was talking to Nate and he, I think he just turned 31 today and he's he's up there, you know, and that's yep. not that old. God, you baseball, don't think about but,
2: really. Nate's 31.
0: Yeah, wow. and uh, and I he's think he's one of the senior guys. Yeah, yeah D Rob's wow. a
10: few years older than that, yeah. yeah. So. Um, no, we can we can turn our attention to them, which is just fine. Everybody wears it, and they take it in stride, and it's it's good fun.
2: You've had some. Uh, we we got a chance to talk to uh, Tyler Danish a little while ago. We we've, we've talked to a few younger relievers, and they understand that you know at some point at the back end of that bullpen, uh, there's a spot for them to come up and, and maybe make an impact, whether it's out of spring training or whether it's a little later. What's your time been like with some of those young uh, young reliever arms? How do you how do you view some of those guys that may make an impact?
10: You know, like I said, we're shifting. We're
2: getting uh, yeah. Into diff- it,
10: it's tough to see guys go because you know not only are they their teammates, they're, they're people we spend a lot of time with. Them. Like you said, we're spending hours a, a day with these guys, so it's it's always tough to see people go. But you move on. I mean, that's the nature of the game. You move on, and then you uh, you know replace them with other people. And the best thing you can do is just uh, try to develop a relationship.
0: Yeah. So you're. California guy, is that right?
10: Originally, and that's what the misconceptions. I, okay. I was only there for a couple of years, and then I moved to Iowa. So I, Iowa, I usually really? say Iowa more, but right. California.
0: All right, I, I'm, a, I'm a Hawkeye
2: graduate myself. Are so you spent, really? Spent that's, that's too bad. Iowa. I'm I was <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I went to Nebraska. So oh, I all right, Nebraska a little rivalry. All right. Meeting, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. a Wisconsin guy, so we have got all three big <laughs> teams. I was Big Twelve almost. Oh yeah, that's right. You would have been Big Twelve. So yeah, that was tough for me to see. Not I mean,
10: not not anything against the Big Ten, but. You know, I grew up watching the Big 12 it's, in Iowa, and, and then I played
2: in it, and then now they're Big Ten. It was just different for me. It's, it's weird to see Nebraska not play Oklahoma or Texas. It's just exactly. a really weird I, weird, I don't know. That
0: season. that Nebraska-Rutgers rivalry is really <laughs> rising. How about the books? I like. was wearing – he,
10: he came up to me yesterday and said, oh, man, like, uh, you know who won in basketball? And I was like – Nebraska has a basketball team. You know, nothing get... right, right,
6: <laughs> again. Again, yeah, I might get
10: myself in trouble. That's fine. but uh Yeah, I think the football score canceled out any other sport for the rest of the yeah. decade for the Rutgers.
6: <laughs>
2: uh sad season for Todd's Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Really sad. Dan, thanks for stopping by, man. Great to hang out with you. We'll let you go and get on with the uh, with Sox Fest. Stay healthy. Look forward to seeing you in spring. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Dan Jennings, White Sox left-hander. He's Brendan Greeley. I'm Connor McKnight. We are here at Sox Fest. And you've got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM
0: 890. Oh, yeah. Coming back with some hard rock. Can
2: you can you bring me back with the deep voice thing?
0: You got it. You're listening to White Sox Weekly live from Sox Fest 2017 with Connor McKnight. Special guest Brendan Greeley from the Steve Dahl Show. And I I actually came bearing gifts. Uh, you brought gifts? Well, you know, I, who I, for? I, I hate showing up me, uh, me? for you, for you, for hosting. I You know, I've... I showed up to so many cocktail parties and dinner parties in my life empty-handed. Yeah, no, that's that's my go-to. <laughs> but, uh, oh yeah, I should have brought some wine. Oh you know? yeah, yeah, yeah but I feel like if, I, if I I'm
2: just really sorry about it, then uh-huh. they'll they'll accept it.
0: Right, right, exactly. If I just, if I just
2: really shame myself right. for not bringing anything, but, then they're okay with I figure
0: it. I figured you guys would have plenty. I could, you know, you got a fridge full of beer. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I don't want to overload you with my bush light that I was no, gonna bring. It's, yeah,
2: it's the whole brick of bush light <laughs> that I usually.
0: But I uh, well, walk around with no. I, I've been walking around Soxfest here, and there's so many cool booths. There's a, there really are. There's a, there's a vintage shop over there. Like I, all these classic chicago jerseys and stuff oh, sweet like a kyle orton jersey i had my oh eye. yeah you gotta have that number 18 did they run That's out of Craig
2: krenzel's,
6: <laughs> <The> krenzels?
0: <laughs> <The> krenzels. <laughs> they had, i saw an a-train thomas oh jersey. my god yeah guy cool. i think a nate, nate vasher i oh, saw oh, nice yeah there's some pretty cool jerseys but
2: have you seen the the there's a louisville slugger demonstration yes. thing with and it's not like you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's in the room with stuff that you can buy, like memorabilia yeah. that you can buy. Mm-hmm. But they have a demonstration and stuff.
0: Oh yeah, you yeah. Of like
2: old school bats, and they've got a uh, they got a Shoeless Joe game used. Right. All this cool stuff. Yeah. I didn't realize how you know we, the the baseball bats that you see nowadays, mm-hmm. the handles are so tapered,
6: and if right, you take right. one
2: off the handle, the bat just explodes and all that stuff. But it's yeah. so you can you know swing it faster through the zone. Bats back in, you know, we're talking like 1880s, 1890s, they are like two-by-fours.
0: Right, right. I mean, they
2: they were just like bricks of wood. That's not a thing.
0: I can't even get my hands around the handle. Not even a little Uh bit.
2: And that's, you know, we're talking about a completely different game where – Nobody hit for power. It right, was just right. you know trying to shoot stuff through the hole, and singles mm. were different. And yeah. you know he's talking about how the game has changed so much because of the technology. It's it's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, and yeah. that Louisville Slugger thing, they do a great job.
0: Yeah, that is worth checking out. Of
2: making you, it much more fun down. than I'm yeah. making it sound right now.
0: Yeah. So I was. I was so what did you bring? Me? I was wandering around. I was like, what is the perfect gift for Connor that I could get? And, you know, I you know I saw some shirts and stuff, but then I it's, I spotted this picture. It's, oh uh, God. It's uh. Oh, yeah. There he is. Young, young, sexy Bill Melton. Young,
2: svelte, (laughs) sexy looking Bill Melton. That guy, I mean, this is right up there with the Steve Stone Centerfold. This is, oh, my God. Like, if you're only
0: familiar with the silver haired devil that's on the yeah. uh, csn post game no, but is then you, haven't, you haven't seen young 70s bill melton no so with, the, some, with the
2: mop top yeah. and everything he's got the wry smile yeah, yeah. like he, he knows something <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't he, exactly that's exactly. what bill
0: melton looks like so, in this photo so a little something for your mantle or, thank you or, you know i'm gonna have out. to
2: get i'm gonna have to have bill uh what what's that Do you have applications with applications for <laughs> for for fun to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right gotcha uh, yeah, Bill, Bill Melton. If if you if you can find me a Bill Melton right now at Soxfest, uh-huh. I need to get this signed.
0: Yeah, that's well.
2: what is Bill around? Has anyone seen Bill? Uh, uh,
0: I'm sure he's around. Of
2: course, Bill Yeah, can him find him.
0: Yeah, he's he's around. He's he's you know he's. He's somewhere cooler than we are.
2: Right I am now. going to uh, I'm going to tweet out a photo of this photo. Oh yeah. At uh-huh. C1 mcknight you can follow me on yeah. Twitter. I'm sure Brandon's going to tweet one out as uh-huh. well. This is really, of course, if I ask Bill Melton, Bill walks into the booth every once in a while during broadcasts when uh-huh. he's there to do the post game show on CSN, and he and Chuck do a great job of it. Right. But he'll just walk in, and I, I don't know if you, I'll, I'll kind of describe it to to if you listeners if you haven't seen it the the booth that we're in is two tiered right uh-huh. so the lower level is usually where i sit while the game's going on and the upper level is where you know we broadcast from it's it's not big right. but it's there are two levels mm-hmm. so if somebody walks in while i'm at the lower level whether it's like jason benetti who was just hanging out with us yeah. or if it's bob Grimm who works with the Sox or if it's bill melton i can't hear them i don't i don't know that they're there gotcha
0: cuz you got your
2: headphones on or whatever so so bill comes in and he'll always do this he'll come in and he'll just like Slam his hand down on my shoulder <laughs> and then say Connor McKnight. But there's a word in the middle of Connor and McKnight, uh, and I'm not, I can't. Sure. It's Bill Melton. You know what uh, the word is. Yeah. Uh, and then and he just yells to me about about the White Sox. <laughs> what? The, you know, this whole thing.
0: Yeah, and just it is just sets off a jet stream. Oh,
2: yeah. No. Uh-oh. And it's just, and he asks you a question, mm-hmm. but he's not there for your answer, he's there to tell you what he thinks about. Sure, the rest sure. Of the it's, it's just
0: an entree to a yes, it is to a, And I a love
2: I I cherish those conversations <laughs> Because yeah. seriously, in, in all honesty, I uh-huh. learned something about baseball that I, I didn't even know I didn't know mm-hmm. every time I talk to Bill. Yeah. It is a it is a perspective on baseball that I obviously not as a former player can't have. know yeah. But you know, oftentimes I think you know you forget and Ed and DJ do this really well too you forget that these guys are human beings. Right. And, and I know that that's rote. I know that you, you hear that a lot, and it's, it almost sounds cliche, mm-hmm. but it's it's 100% because, true.
0: Because when you see them in person, you just kind of want to observe them. I, I saw Bill Melton at McDonald's once, no joke, and I, I was like, oh, that's that's Bill that's Bill Melton. Like I kind of want to see how he operates yeah. in, in a normal situation, in the of, real world, you know, out right, in the so wild. I, so it was uh, it was at the was at the merchandise Mart McDonald's. All right, I know that McDonald's he, well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I, that one I, well. I've, I've bought many a McDouble there, <laughs> and uh, so but this was around breakfast time. I was working at a radio station on a Sunday morning. Sure, and he was you know doing pregame or something, wandered over there, and uh, so I just observed. Like I wonder what he orders at at mcdonald's you know for a breakfast is he, is he a mcmuffin guy is he a,
2: i imagine what, he's a hash brown
0: you know what he went with he went with the oatmeal
2: really yeah a healthy bill melt right that's impressive yeah i
0: was you know and that's that's why he looks so good yeah the, no, clearly
2: was, i mean this is it is it has stayed with him. <laughs> yeah, the man uh-huh. is
0: uh, i mean he's, yeah. he's on tv but, for a reason and and he charmed the charmed the mcdonald's workers for, for i mean they i don't know if they were 100% sure who he was, but they knew he was somebody special. He was like, working. He was, yeah, he yeah. was working. Yeah, exactly. you know, he's out in the real world. He's always he's, on. He's, he's always on. So. He's,
2: yeah. uh, he's Brendan Greeley. I'm Connor McKnight. We have a special edition of White Sox Weekly here at Sox Fest 2017. Yeah, everybody having fun? Yeah. yeah. And it has been a blast being here, nah, uh, and dude. we've had we've had plenty of players run through uh, the car wash that is the WLS station. Yeah, here.
0: I heard you were hanging with my buddy Tyler
2: Saladino. We were, no, we were. Hanging, yeah. So I'll tell you, true story. Brent Greeley, obviously of the Steve Dahl show. Tyler uh-huh. and I, I know Tyler fairly well from last season. We talk; mm-hmm. he's a good dude. And we're sitting here in the in the bullpen waiting to to go on the show. And I look at Tyler, how you been? You know, I'm supposed to him and I have like I haven't seen him in a while. Sure, yeah. I want to talk to my, my you know, my oh, guy yeah. and, and have a conversation. First words out of his mouth aren't, How are you? Mm-hmm. Good to see how have you been? Right. Nothing. It's where's Steve? It's <laughs> the first thing he asks.
0: Yeah, they bonded. Where's Steve? <laughs> we all we all bonded down in Mexico on the
2: on the Sox trips. So. I really I, I know that we can't talk about a lot of the ways. In which you bonded, sure. With best, Tyler. Those are
0: best left on and Steve
2: <laughs> bonded with everybody else around there, but I, I imagine the trip to Mexico is pretty good. Remind me of of the roster that came down. I know uh, Jose we had, Quintana went down and Tyler went down. And
0: Tyler, and then we had Baines and Kittle. Oh good God! Yeah, yeah. It's a, so that's a, <laughs> Oh that's a, that's a duo. That's you
2: you had to roll <laughs> for what was that four days with yeah. Ron Kittle? Yeah, there. It, that's got to be a test of endurance, man.
0: One, He's incredible. He can he and he can tell you. 45 minutes worth of stories without taking a breath. It's, it's, unbelievable. A, it's, it's incredible. It really is.
2: We have Ron Kittle at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning, and I, I plan to just say hello. And then walk away from the microphone. Right, right. He's just good him, to go. You know, he,
0: it's it's he'll he'll tell a story and that'll remind him of another, another story. story. Then, oh, let me tell you this. And,
2: and they're all and fantastic. Oh, I mean, right,
0: exactly. They're all most of them.
2: You can't believe the ending. Exactly. Because, and yeah. in some of them, he's pantsless oh. at the end.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. The
2: grand majority. More of often them. than not, Ron Kittle's got a story that ends like that. That's <laughs> how it works. And that's honestly, it's why I come to Soxfest.
0: Right. It that's really a... is. It's why I come to. It's Sox a beautiful thing.
2: Uh, 2.30, we have Zach Birdie going to join us. Cool. He was, of course, the, uh, the second first-round pick of the White Sox in the 2016 draft. Birdie's an interesting guy. Uh, we are talking with Jason Benetti, and, and I won't give it away yet, but we, have, we, we know something about Zach Birdie that he doesn't know that we know, Ooh. it's kind of out there now. All right. So it's it's one of Birdie's interests. So we'll ask him about uh, that coming up right. in, a, in a couple of minutes. But Zach also has – he's got a brother that's also in the minor leagues. Gotcha. So it's it's one of those – it's a baseball family. Mm-hmm. And and Zach throws about 110 miles an hour. He's Ooh. one of those big-time flamethrowers that the White all Sox have right. added to the roster. I can throw half that. No, you can't. No, I can't. <laughs> no, you, no, you can't. Can
8: throw. You need know how much it hurts.
2: to <laughs> like? We should go find a speed pitch and see if Brendan can hit <laughs> –
0: 55.
2: I bet you could hit 55. I don't know. No. I bet I bet you could hit 55.
0: Like, we I mean, warm you up for
2: a while. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk to Zach about how to warm up. Yeah. Make sure that you don't completely explode your maybe, shoulder.
0: Maybe get a couple Jamesons in me or oh, something. Oh, yeah, for, three or four. For, for yeah, yeah. sure, yeah. That's
2: that's called, yeah. That's shoulder juice. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's Loosen called in the bullpen. Yeah, well, for Mark Burley, Yeah, you know, got save in the World Series. worked out just fine. 312-591-8900 is the phone number. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. We do have time for a little bit of time for some phone calls you're more than welcome to give us a ring we want to hear what you think about socks fest if you're heading down or in and around or out getting lunch or whatever uh that's your chance to get involved with the show oh and you can follow uh well of course you follow us on twitter as always at c1 mcknight is the twitter handle uh that's how you can interact with the show on twitter and i am about to tweet out a photo of sweet swinging Belton Bill Melton, seventies. That Bill Brendan Melton. Greeley bought me. It is it is Bill Melton in his prime, uh-huh. in his damn prime. And I, I'll tweet it out so you can see what the, the the gift that the wonderful Brendan Greeley brought us. We're here until three o'clock down here at Sox Fest. We're back here on Sunday as well. Take a quick break. We'll Be right back here on WLS AMA ninety.
0: Yeah, Sox Fest. Connor McKnight. Hosting White Sox Weekly live from Sox Fest at the Hilton Chicago, we're having a blast here.
2: We really are, actually, and I, I really like coming out to Sox Fest too because you get to you put faces to names because White Sox Twitter is is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I enjoy White Sox Twitter, and I know Jason Benetti has been a huge in, in his broadcast. He brings the White Sox Twitter fandom into. He really does the broadcast, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed and DJ do that as well. I like to do it on the on the show. Um, but I just got to meet a bunch of the guys from Southside Sox, oh sure, which you know it's it's one of the better fan blogs I think that's out there and and I, I shouldn't really even call it a fan blog because these guys are actual they they do the work, they understand what it is that they're trying to accomplish uh, and do a great job of it. Uh, met Josh Nelson, met Patrick Nolan, met Brian okay. Billick. All those guys are really good at what they do, and it's really cool to put their the faces to the names here at Soxfest. Yeah,
0: there's a dedication there because there's there some, there's some garbage sports blogs out there. There that, really that, are. That, there that, are, some, there are some, the some bad information. Yeah. Hashtag fake sports. And
2: they don't care. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't they don't care that it's bad, and they just throw it out right, there. Right, exactly. These, they just want clicks. Yeah. These but, guys are very very good at what they do, mm-hmm. and I I'll, I recommend them highly. As you know, if you're a Sox fan who's you know getting brought back into mm-hmm. Or kind of buying into some of the rebuild. These guys do great work of letting you know who these guys are, yeah. and, and it's, uh, it's just really cool to meet. Also,
0: speaking of Twitter, I, I saw a tweet that you put out, and last uh, last night actually, I was I was at home. I didn't do anything on a Friday night. I but at some point, I made a late night run to Walgreens because sure. I was out of Axe body spray. We've well, all, need, been, well, we've all, know all been there. You no, I,
2: smell fantastic.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, no, I was, I just, I was bored. I went to Walgreens and got some snacks. Fruity Pebbles were on sale for two dollars, so I got some of that. I hey, Got, you stock got up. some Funyuns. I yeah. got some chocolate milk. Uh, if You'd think I was super high, but I wasn't. I was just bored. So I, so all those things rumbling around in my stomach woke me up at 3 a.m. and I, I. So, you know, on Twitter it now has, in case you missed it, and yeah, it goes back yeah. to, to and, and it went to your tweet that said, hey, uh, how cool is the Australian Open? Oh my God. And, and it's, it was started like the Australian Open finals are. The, the Williams sisters and then yes. Nadal and Federer. Yes. And so, it, and then I looked and there, it's starting. It it started at 2:30 a.m. So yeah. I was like, okay, uh, this is what I'll do until I fall back asleep. I'll so watch did you watch, I'll watch the, whole the thing. I watch the Williams sisters. Oh. Well, I started for a while and then I then I kind of dozed off and maybe I realized that I didn't. I like I like the idea of tennis more yeah, than, right. <laughs> than I actually like tennis, but. It's pretty impressive what Serena's we done.
2: We were watching Nadal and uh, Dimitrov in the newsroom Friday morning. John uh-huh. Dempsey and I, who does the news, obviously, for Big John and Ray, and, and he's fantastic, just a wonderful human being. And we're watching this tent, not believing what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And all of, speaking of, a lot of White Sox Twitter, and I think Josh Nelson, who actually runs Southside Sox, he was watching it too. And just unbelievable tennis back and forth. These guys were yeah. insane.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are those are four of the biggest the best tennis players of all time. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it, fe- it almost feels yeah. like it's like it's 2009 mm-hmm. again.
0: Yeah, but sometimes when,
2: I wish it was. But well, when it
0: when it uh, when it comes to watching a full match I I sometimes have a hard time and it doesn't compare to baseball for me as far as a you know a sport I can sit down and just really bite bite into.
2: Well, and and baseball so like I I understand that that for baseball's not for everybody mm-hmm. TV-wise. You know, being at a game mm-hmm. it's a completely different story. Yeah but my, my dad taught me this growing up and I'm, I'm sure a lot of young, you know, baseball fans, young White Sox fans understand this. You can start a game, especially if it's a day game. You start a game. Mm-hmm. Your nap starts about the bottom of the 5th. Right? right, you can yeah. <laughs> Wake yourself up about mm-hmm. top of the 7th. Yeah. You can make food or have food ready to roll in the bottom of the 7th. And then you've got the 8th and ninth to finish out a good ball game. Yeah, you're right. And it's it's a perfect game yeah. to to kind of Waste away your afternoon. To. Uh-huh. Baseball has always been great yeah. for that. I, I, honest to God, I think that's mm-hmm. some of what you know. As as baseball wants to skew younger and bring in you know the younger demographic and the younger fan, as, as every any business would,
6: mm-hmm.
2: I, I think that can be pushed more, yeah. and, and you can embrace that part of it. You know, yeah. we don't have to make it as fast as we can possibly make it it doesn't have you know i mean it's okay that some of it takes a little bit longer right the reasons we take a little bit longer maybe can be changed
0: sure but sure. but the fact well.
2: that it's a long game i don't i don't think should really
0: pass time it, it is past time i i think we do have a caller on uh oh i'm, we? I'm hearing is, is frank on the line
2: oh cool hi frank
12: hi guys how are you
2: doing well doing well thanks for uh thanks for hopping on the show what's on your mind man
12: uh, I just wanted to tell you why I became a lifelong White Sox fan. It started 41 years ago, and I, excuse me, but I had a brain fart, and I cannot remember the owner's name, and that's what the story's all about. <laughs>
2: Vec, is, Vec is in I wreck, I would imagine, right? No. Yeah,
12: Bill Vec. Uh, he, he had the uh, one leg. Yeah, Bill Vec.
2: No, no, no. He
0: had <laughs> the, he, he did. <laughs> No, no, it's Bill Beck. I'm, I'm it Bill Beck. I'm
12: messing with you. It is Bill I'm sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, no, no, yeah, it's I all good,
0: Frank. We're just having fun. I was
12: laughing at Brendan. <laughs> I went to Glenwood School for boys, and uh, we were poor kids. You know, it was a military school. You had to be from a single-parent home. And they took us to the White Sox game, about 100 kids. And when we got off the bus, the only thing we had was a sack lunch and one of those little plastic containers of Kool-Aid. And uh, mm. we got off the bus and there was this guy there handing five dollars to each kid. Be uh, wary. <laughs> right, right. But we mm. we had the time of our lives and we bought wristbands, a couple hot dogs, I mean we couldn't believe it. And in the seventh inning, eighth inning, this guy came back and he says, You know, how are you enjoying the game? And one of our house parents said, You know who that is, that's the owner of the White Sox built back. I will wow. never forget that's that. Cool. Right. I will never forget that. You know, I, it was a going joke that we thought, you know, as I got older, he probably took that money from the uh, one of the vendors and then went right back to the park. <laughs> he was such a smart guy. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah, made you, it made
0: you a crazy. lifelong White Sox fan,
6: it, it, that $5 it, yeah, investment. I mean, my love,
12: right. My love for the White Sox is uh, undying. Uh, and I just wanted to share that with you guys uh, because, you know, being White Sox Fest and all that, uh, you guys do a great job, and thanks for all your time, man.
2: Well, thanks, Frank. I really appreciate it, and thanks for calling. Thanks for sharing the story, man. That is awesome. Big thanks to Frank for uh, for calling in. If you want to hop in the show, you're more than welcome to. Three one two five nine one eighty nine hundred is the phone number, or you can check out Twitter. I, you yeah. know, we got to talking with with the people here at Soxfest, and I haven't tweeted out that photo you bought me of of Bill Melton, yeah, uh, which I appreciate greatly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to tweet that out there as well.
0: I I also, you ever collect baseball cards when you're? Are you out? kidding? Yeah, there's, of course there's I have a ton of baseball cards get here, ones? and so I so I bought some. Uh, Maybe you can help me sort out what you got. I got a. Oh, Joe, Joe Creedy, right? Nice.
2: It's Creedy. a Fleer. It's a Fleer, Joe Creedy. It's a maximum one. I can't tell. Looks like it's an O2 card. Looks like okay. It's
0: the O2. So before is you know yeah. his sort of rise. And
2: yeah. Man. Well, he had How a good. Cool he had a good Creedy? 2000. Yeah. No. So this would have been his. Oh, this is his rookie card, I think. Yeah. Technically, this is rookie card because O2. Oh, nice. Would have been his rookie season because in 01, he only played like I think it was like 15 games, 17 okay. games, something yeah. like that. So That's so a Joe Creedy that's rookie. That's valuable.
0: All right, I got that. I got that cheap. So that's good. Man, remember how that he rode that momentum off oh the God. World Series like into that into those next couple years. He was the best third baseman in the
2: American League. White Sox fans don't forget Joe Creedy, obviously. But I was just I was looking through you know some some of the best seasons had by third baseman like mm-hmm. in all of baseball history, yeah. offensively. Joe Creedy's got one of the best third-base seasons of all time.
0: Yeah. I, I
2: mean, he's mashed.
0: Yeah. Absolutely mashed. He was a beast, and and uh, his defense oh, was he spectacular. Yeah, you could pick it. Uh, next, i got a couple of center fielders. I want you to tell me one memory about okay. each, each of these guys.
2: All right, so we're looking at two there. Aaron Rowland. Is one of them who is a uh, was a coach in the White Sox minor league organization. That's right. Now. Yeah, I you know my memory. Make,
0: it, of, make a good coach. I he, he's a, he's yeah.
2: very grindy, very coachy. Mm, yeah, uh, I like Aaron a lot. He uh my memory of Aaron Rowan, the first one that comes to mind, isn't a White Sox memory. Okay, it's it's when he was in Philly, sure, and was chasing down a fly ball in center fielder and smack dab into the fence, broke his oh, nose open, dude.
0: Yeah, I remember all that
2: all over the place and that just was walking off the field like, well, this sucks. I probably will play tomorrow, yeah. but uh, it's just. It t- yeah, it doesn't yeah.
0: care at all. Yeah, that was cool.
2: Uh, and the other one is uh, oh, Dwayne Wise. Oh, and it's it's the card is the catch.
0: Right, it coming is off the, the wall, the unbelievable game saving catch.
2: Unbelievable. Yeah. Remember who hit that ball? No, I don't. Gabe Kapler hit that ball. Really? Yep. All Gabe right. Kapler hit that ball. Interesting. Yep. Yoked it. I think it was the first pitch too. Yeah. Of that at bat in the in the top of the ninth. Yeah, it would have mm. been the top of the ninth.
0: to right, I got, picked up a
2: Oh! Alexi Ramirez card. Yeah. And I, my memory of Alexi is just Hawk screaming, Alexi. <laughs> <laughs> yes!
0: yeah, that's the
2: only memory.
0: <laughs> How many White it's Sox the, fans' memories are tied to Hawkisms? Probably. Almost all of them, <laughs> right? I
2: mean, it's, it's, he yeah, has it's to. The he's the backdrop I, he's iconic. It. He's yeah. iconic.
0: And then that's the last card I got.
2: Oh, this is a really cool card. Right. What a great picture. This is really awesome. This is uh, this is a tops. It's a Chance the Rapper card, who I. Right. Maybe I'm showing a little bias. I love Chance. I think he's fantastic. Oh, I love all of awesome. his stuff. Yeah, uh, it's the April eighth first pitch, right? With the snow you can coming see down, the snow. this is just last yeah, season. That is a, a really cool photo. Yeah, that is a really cool card. Well done, sir. Yeah, you've, I
0: think I You boosted good your ones. collection. <laughs>
2: don't put these in the bike spokes. No, no, don't these put those are getting, in the bike getting these are getting plastic cases. Yeah, these go on the cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, 312-591-8900 mm-hmm. is the phone number. Get the two thirty news coming up, and on the other side, we'll talk to uh, White Sox first round draft pick Zach Birdie here on White Sox Weekly. You got WLS A M A ninety. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM eight ninety. I'm Connor McKnight. Brandon Greeley of the Steve Dahl Show hanging out with us. Hello. and Zach Birdie of the Chicago White Sox. Joining yeah. us for Zach yeah. uh, Thank you. Appreciate it. It's one my one, 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 one White Sox. Oh. Okay, there it is. My aunt makes a lot of noise for me too.
0: <laughs> do do all your buddies call you Birdie last name or? Yeah. yeah.
11: No, I've been. I don't think I've been called Zach by any of my buddies for like ten years. Right. It? Right. Birdie, That's... and then my brother's friends call me little birdie little so, birdie yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so it's,
0: it's too much fun of a last <laughs> name to, to say I feel like in mm.
2: baseball you could forget your first name pretty quickly because the nicknames are the only things people use yeah no, no idea what your I, actual name is
11: college baseball no one is known by like their real mm-hmm. like birth given name um it's actually fun i was walking through our college locker room saying bye to everyone before um heading up and um, on the lockers now everyone took down their name palettes and they just had their nicknames they don't know no sure. one wants to, one wants
2: to be called by the real name anymore <laughs> yeah. yeah you got you got to go back down to louisville over the off season. uh you were telling me how how was the off season? you knew your first as a pro i think there are I would imagine you got sent with a, a checklist from the White Sox of mm-hmm. things to do and not do, and eat and not yeah. eat, all that stuff.
11: Yeah, so it was um, it was good because my brother had been uh, doing it for two years now, so uh, I had to got to learn from him, got to kind of pick his brain on what to do, what not to do, learn from his mistakes, and then it was also good because. There is a lot of pro guys in Louisville who are training for the season, so you have a lot of guys pushing you and making sure that you're doing what you have to do. And there's a lot of uh, accountability checks and uh, just making sure that no one's slacking. Uh, we're all teammates before. We're gonna keep pushing each other to to get where we all want to go. And um, so yeah, it was awesome, uh, awesome experience to kind of finish my. Uh, last year's school in Louisville with my friends who were also experiencing their senior year not
0: stuff not to eat like you can't eat pizza or something like that it's just not yeah I mean or in small quantities yeah I've always
11: been uh pretty uh Healthy. Picky about and healthy about what I eat, but okay. I went upstairs, and they had chocolate chip uh, churros, and I, I've been crushing Aww, them God. all day. <laughs> Those are awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you Zach, Brendan, take over. <laughs> i <am Yeah, laughs> going
2: to be right back. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds fantastic. Uh, so I, I learned something about you. Jason Benetti, who does, of course, the uh, play-by-play for the White Sox on the television side and does a hell of a job at it, was hanging out with us a while ago, and he told us that you – i a huge fan of like the uh, the escape room things.
11: Yeah, giant fan. Um, so I ended up started doing. Well, how
2: how did you start into this? Like how do you go in? Because I I've seen them. You know, there's one on Michigan Avenue. Yeah.
11: Oh yeah. No. Trapped there's, in a room. There's with the 80. Johnny. There's 80 in Chicago. Oh, come we're, on, really? we're looking. No. For, we're looking oh. for our target market. It's not Chicago. Wow. So wait, yeah.
2: You're looking to build one.
11: I would love, yeah, that was, um, like, so I went earlier this year with a couple of my boys for one of their birthdays. We are like, I was just going to figure out something to do, like, on a Wednesday night. And we went. We all loved it. Then we went back the next week. And then we ended up doing it, like, two weeks later. And uh, just, it was stupid. We're blowing, like, stupid amount of cash on these dumb rooms. But it's so much fun. For
0: for those that don't know what an escape room is, can you kind of.
11: Yeah. uh, So escape room is, like, you're putting, like, a. 10 by 10 room, and you have uh, 60 minutes to get out of it to use clues, use hints, and uh, little things. There's a storyline you have to follow, and um, if you don't make it, then you obviously lose, but if you do, um, it is by far one of the most gratith, like, gratified... Yeah. Like I, I would put up me escaping one of those rooms, like a little bit under getting drafted <laughs> by the White Sox. It was like, I, when I saw that door turn green, I was like, oh, my God, I made it. I did everything I wanted to do. So like, it's kind of like
0: a Saw movie without the yeah, chance.
11: Yeah, well, of it depends burn. on who you yeah. play with, because yeah, yeah. I played with my family, that, like, last weekend it got really competitive, like, uh, my brother, uh, he found a wallet, and it had a clue in it, and then, but he didn't check the whole thing, there was another clue, and we found it, like, ten minutes later, like, I, I, some people got in his face, like, if you're not going to take this seriously, like, you need to get out, like, we're trying to get out of the scene and break through, so... Right. Yeah, it's a lot of fun.
2: Why, why, why are they so addicting to you? Is it the? Is I think it's the competitive. It? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
11: Just like just going in there and like being able to um, compete because everyone I go with is really competitive. Like my mm-hmm. family's super competitive. All my buddies have been playing college baseball. With me, we're all super competitive when it comes to that stuff. So when we don't get it, it's like because me and my family didn't get it, we were walking two blocks down in Louisville, and we all looked at each other. And we go, we're not ending today on a loss. And we. You turned it right back to this place and got right back into a room. The lady... Can't do this to ourselves. <laughs> the yeah. lady running was like, what are you guys doing back <laughs> here? <Again>. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> we all had smart waters in our hands just yeah. hoping that it would make High us training. do better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. What do you... What... what does, does one person make it out? Like do you? Does everybody get out if you all? Get, or just like? Oh uh,
11: yeah, it's like a so it's eight max. Okay, so, like, I've gone with like five to eight people,
2: and uh, if like you're working as a team, to get everyone out. Yeah. So you don't have to like knock people off on the way. It's, it's you it's, don't it's have to, can, but,
11: but uh, sometimes there's dead weight that you just stuff in the corner. Like don't touch any anything that we are working on.
6: <laughs> That's
11: amazing. Yeah.
2: That's absolutely. And you have a, you have an idea for one.
11: I do have one. But uh um, Yeah, this is this is national radio. This right? is the national team. radio. Yeah. Um mine I d the only thing is it would be called locked and loaded. Nice. I'm gonna TM this right now. Locked and loaded. TM. M T M
2: We'll apply for that right yeah, now. Yeah,
11: and it'd be locked and loaded and instead of um so you would go in, go complete your thing, and then afterwards you would have Dinners and drinks, and you'd be able to watch the other people uh, doing the same room as you, and you'd be able to just like just idea. watch them and tell them how big of idiots they are. So they really can't say anything, yeah. So it would just be like fun to go and watch, and you
0: could
6: like, call yeah, that area
11: the birdies' nest. The, yeah, the nest, right
6: there, yeah. This yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> genius stuff. Um, okay, so into the escape room kind of thing, and, and we've got the competitive nature that's mm-hmm. clearly part of you. Your yeah, that's <laughs> pretty obvious. Um, you will be, and this is what we call in, in the business a, a segue, uh, and not a good one at that. But you will be competing uh, for jobs come spring training, and I, I think for me, you know, watching games and going down to spring, I love when there are jobs at stake. I understand that there's there's pressure there on players, but I think, and I've I've seen it before, guys come out of those competitions better ball players, mm-hmm. knowing that they've got to work for it. Is that how, how much have you thought about that? How much have you talked about that with your other teammates that you may or may not be competing with or may also be competing for other jobs?
11: Yeah. Um, we were talking about earlier in, uh, in one of the seminars, uh, Carson was uh, talking about how um, it's a real college field because when you get to college, you're a freshman, and there's sophomores, juniors, seniors who um, you want to be your friends. You really do. Mm-hmm. And you are you actually are your friends. your buddies with them off the field. When it comes to be on the field, you realize that there's a job at stake. Yeah. You realize there's a competitive nature that needs to be – put forth and that um, it brings out the best in everyone because when I'm trying to do my best and then Carson's trying to do his best and then Lucas is trying to do his best and it's just oh, he's going and going and going well then now everyone's just going to reach a higher level and when you bring that to the field or you bring it to any workspace yeah. you're going to see results just boom and when it comes down to there's a, there is a college field because there's a lot of 21 to 25 year old guys and then you have the veterans who have done it a long time that you look up to and you try and pick their brain and um, it should be really interesting. I'm really excited to uh, get out there. And uh, we were watching bullpens last week. Everyone looked great. So
2: um,
11: definitely taking that back to Louisville's next couple of weeks and um, really trying to refine some stuff before getting back and working with Coop and uh, AZ.
2: What's the conversation with you and the Sox about uh, potentially starting? Because um, I, I talked yeah. to Nick Hostetler some when you were drafted, and I think in, in your, uh, a couple months after and the conversation's there. but they, they like the repertoire. They like the change-up that's kind of developed mm-hmm. some. And, and, you know, if you've got all that and you are as good as you are, yeah. may, maybe start. I don't know.
11: Yeah. they um, Nick has done a great job uh, not mentioning it to me at times when it doesn't need to be mentioned. Like, during the season, it was not brought up at all. Yeah. I was a reliever all throughout the cool. summer. I was going to get my innings. I was going to get my work on, work, work on stuff, uh, work with guys on bases, just really get back to the basics. And then when the season ended, we um, we also, like, it was a while, and then he was like, hey, like, I'm not going to push this on you. We don't know what we want to do with you yet. Uh, when that conversation comes, we'll talk about it. But for now, you're a reliever. We want you as a reliever, and we're going to stick to that for X amount of time until sure. maybe decisions are going to be made. Cool. So,
0: Can I ask, when you
11: were growing up, who were some of the players that you idolized or some guys so, that you looked up to? As oh, as, bad as, it, um, as bad as it sounds, the 05 team, and I know they won then. That was like
2: – It's a championship team. Yeah, but that's when I
11: started really loving the Sox. That makes sense. So mm-hmm. – um, It was. I mean, I loved Creedy. I loved. uh, I actually got to play with. I was playing with Rowan. I played ping pong with him. That was a dream come true. He kicked my. He really beat me bad. And then um, he was. uh, So that. And then I was at the Burley Perfect Game that year with all my buddies, uh, who are still my best friends today. So we talked about that. And um, the dad who brought us, like literally, it's like he loves it. He's like. You guys, that is, like, my favorite thing that Zach talks about that whenever he gets a chance to. I'm like, dude, like, I don't have that many stories about the Sox. I have to bring it up. And right, yeah. So, yeah, no, I loved I loved that team, uh, Jermaine Dye. I mean, it was literally, it was, I remember watching them win it in my uh, couple uh, houses down in my neighborhood with all my friends. It was awesome. Yeah.
2: There's a couple of you guys. Uh, Charlie Tilson also grew mm-hmm. up a White Sox fan from Nutrier. I mean, it's it's kind of weird that I, in other organizations it doesn't happen that, that guys are, fans of that club. I mean I can't count on my hand major league players who grew up fans of the team they're playing for. Yeah, no,
11: I mean it really is special the opportunity that we've uh, both been given and um I knew of Charlie he was uh, in the same draft class as my brother Nick coming up high school. So him and Nick were friends and I knew of him uh he was like one of the most feared bats in high school at the yeah. time and uh he won his way with the Cardinals and then I was I went off to Louisville and then um, we're working out at UIC, and I get a tap on my shoulder, and there's Charlie. And, uh, Crazy. and so yeah, it was uh, it's really cool, and uh, I'm sure his family's going through the same thing that my family's going through, where everyone's just really excited, all your friends are excited, um, people that you haven't talked to in years are. Um, just really reaching out to you and telling you how much support they're gonna give you like when you make it up or if you sure. make it up so yeah it's been awesome
2: that's awesome i, I think we can probably expect when uh and, and hopefully you do make your major league debut this season obviously that's it's gonna be a goal for you going in the spring yeah. I imagine your aunt is gonna be making some noise uh
11: she's right there yeah. and i'm sure I, I imagine, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure she's gonna love it um even if I'm not there she goes to as many games as she possibly can, her, and her friend Mickey. So
2: they're going to love it.
11: And uh, when that day comes, and I'm hoping it's sooner than later, um, if it is ever, it will be um, a very special day for all of us.
2: That's awesome, man. So Congrats. Cool. Glad you're healthy, glad you're ready to roll, and we will see you in Arizona in a couple weeks. Yeah, sounds good. Thank Absolutely. you, guys. Zach yeah. Birdie, first round yeah. pick of the White Sox, Appreciate hanging it. out with us here on White Sox Weekly. We'll come back and wrap things up. He's Brendan Greeley. I'm Connor McKnight. Yeah. You have WLS, AM890.
6: Welcome back to White
2: Sox Weekly here at Sox Fest 2017. Yeah. I'm Connor McKnight. He is Brendan Greeley, and we are yeah, wrapping buddy. things up for the day. Already? I know. It's, just getting started. It really uh, does kind of fly by. It does. The, the, the White Sox are so great uh, about bringing us, you know, the players that you want to hear from, that Sox fans want to hear from. Just got Jeez. done talking with Zach Birdie. That kid is so cool. He is. He's, really like, cool. he's just normal he kid. but a cool dude. Future s- superstar. you imagine playing for the team you grew up rooting for? Oh, man. Uh, Mind blowing right, experience. Right. Mind blowing. Yeah. I, I was talking with, I know we mentioned to Zach Charlie Tilson, who's mm-hmm. uh, got traded uh, for Zach Duke oh, last sure. season. All right. Uh, and, and Charlie's a neutral guy. Grew up a Sox fan on the North Side, so obviously already yeah. he knows about being in enemy territory. Yeah. Uh But I was I was just asking him about you know being traded and getting a call and, and hearing from the White Sox, and mm-hmm. apparently his his call to his parents was basically just screaming and yelling.
6: Yeah. yeah. Just
2: just a lot of yelling. <laughs> just. <laughs> Mom! <laughs>
6: I got it. Just <laughs> it
2: losing his damn. It yeah, was fantastic. Yeah, it was
0: you gotta love that ball motion.
2: Yeah, the story's awesome.
0: I, I was uh, I was out wandering around. There's lots of uh, autograph lines going on. There's Ron Kittle, Harold Baines. There was Lucas Giolito. No, and Frank Thomas is a big one. And I, so I was in the Frank Thomas area, and there's some fans as they were there, some officials were mm-hmm. leading Big Hurt up to the front where he could sit at the table and meet everyone. And as he's walking through the crowd, there's one dude that was just, he was just yelling, hurt, hurt,
2: hurt. like
0: <laughs> at first I thought he was barking, and then yeah. I realized he was saying hurt. And
2: oh, all right, <laughs> I get it. Hurt,
0: hurt, hurt. But it sounded like he was either hiking a ball or, right. or yeah, barking like a dog. Like I was like, I was trying to think, like dog pound? No,
2: no, oh, hurt. No, it's got to be the hurt, hurt, yeah.
0: hurt. And then I and then I saw a couple that was standing there in the Frank Thomas area. And she was saying to the the girl, both in socks gear, both in jerseys, a Canerco jersey and a I uh, forget the other one, but she was saying to the guy, she wanted to go meet Frank Thomas. He wanted to go see Lucas Giolito, and he wanted her to come with. Right. Him. And she said to him in all like with dead serious, she's like, relationships are all about compromise. <laughs> she like. And I was like, Bro, is, bro, you're on thin ice. This like is, this, like is, this is a this,
2: this is Frank Thomas, th- right, right. I'm, I'm gonna go
0: see Hall of Fame, right. So they and they they talked for a few minutes, like whispered. Kind to each other, had it yeah. out, and then they they went their separate ways. That's so amazing. he went to Toledo. I, I hope I they got back together, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I, I hope that
2: wasn't a yeah. relationship crushing moment you, for them.
0: Uh, otherwise, there's a single girl in a Canerco jersey over there in the hurt, big hurt line. So that so is uh, wow. Just, so uh, the sights and sounds of Yeah, relationship goals 2017 here from Soxfest. 2017.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have to the, the things to do here uh, as you're we hosting, wrap up the show. You're,
0: you're hosting a what? What is it?
2: Yeah, we're back tomorrow from 11 o'clock. I'm looking at Dave Zaslowski, our producer, because I can't uh, keep a thought in my head. Uh, we're back from 11 to one, and Big John and Ray are going to be out here, or just Big John or Ray. If the flu hasn't taken both of them, oh yeah, right, if they going haven't around. both been ended by the sickness, then mm-hmm. then they're both uh, one or two or three of them are going to be here. Cool. Uh, and we have. Uh, Ron Kittle tomorrow. Nice. We have – we have – oh, we've got uh, – it's another reliever. And I'm spacing out.
6: Hmm? Jake.
2: We have Jake. Jake Patryska. See, I told you there's another reliever. Yeah, you're right on. Matt Davidson and Carlos May. Oh, awesome. Nice. We get to talk to Carlos again. Cool. I talked to him last year at SoxFest. I yeah. hadn't met him before. Okay. I got to meet Carlos May. I mean, this cool, is – dude. You know, we talk with Bob Surratt. Who, and mm. Mar- Bob and Marianne were nice enough to drop by and hang out. And just yeah. this kind of thing – and, and you have to put this away when you when you start working, you know, when you go back for the season. Mm-hmm. But you get to be a little bit of a fanboy. Again. Oh yeah. And it's and it's fun to do it, and you get mm. to turn it on and turn it back off when you got to go to work, and it's awesome.
0: And the players are cool with it because it's they get it. You know, it's off season; they don't have a game to focus yeah. on
2: that day, so they, and they understand you know, it. And it sucks for Yes. Yeah. Why wouldn't you come on out here and hang out? Uh, a big thanks to our list of let me get the list of guests and the people to say thank you for. Or thank you, too, real quick. That's the proper – big thanks to David Hochberg and his crew for coming out here and hanging out and doing their show, Sweet Home Chicago. Uh, on right here from SoxFest. They were nice enough to talk to uh, Eric Soderholm and Tim Anderson starting shortstop Dude. for the White Sox. I, David Hochberg and Tim Anderson have a race planned. Oh, no. Uh, it's not going to end well for David. Tim's going to oh. smoke him, absolutely yeah. just ruin him. But the race Laugh is going to happen. <laughs> uh, Tyler Saladino stopped by. We hung out with him. Harold Baines was here. Thanks to him for hanging out. Tyler Danish, Zach Collins, Ed, and DJ hung out with us. Dan Jennings was here. And Zach yeah. Birdie, we just finished talking to... Uh, a couple of minutes ago. Thanks to Bob and Marianne for hanging out with us. Very cool. And, Brendan, you know. thanks for stopping by, man. Represent. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well this done. Has, this has well awesome. Uh, Brendan also brought me a gift, uh, in case you're just tuning in for the end of uh, White Sox Weekly. Brendan brought me a gift. It is a black and white. Very, uh, He's very svelte. It's the pinstripes that make it work. Bill Melton photo from about mm. 1970-something. Bill is sexy, handsome, sexy handsome sexy devil. Mel- uh, Mel- yeah. He's got a mop of hair.
0: Yeah, and it's it really
2: just does. uh yeah i need to get this signed by bill <laughs> but i have to do it he'll hurt me if if yeah. i ask him yeah, yeah. so it's got to be on a good day for me because yeah. he'll do it he'll absolutely do it <laughs> that's music means it's time to say goodbye we'll be back out here tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock from socks fest you got white Sox weekly i'm connor mcknight and we will talk to you tomorrow have a wonderful afternoon
13: hey rob bradford here you guys know i'm always up for a good mvp story and one of the best